to Triples in Ecstasy, a production of Sweet Media. This is Admiral James T. Kirk of Federation Starship Enterprise. Your presence here is an act of war. You have two minutes to surrender your crew and your vessel, or we will destroy you. Admiral Kirk, this is your opponent speaking. Do not lecture me on treaty violations, as this broadcast is intended for mature audiences. In the following podcast, there will be thoughts and opinions expressed that in no way reflect your federation, this station, website, or affiliated partners. Who is this? How dare you? Who I am is not important. Listener discretion is... Klingon best. Space. The final frontier. These are the voyages of Starship Trips. Her encore mission to explore strange new worlds, to seek out new content and new stuff, to follow the girl with no podcast. It's gone before. Hello and welcome to episode 268 of Tribbles and Ecstasy. And we are back. I'm your host, Midnight Shadow. We got lost in the briar patch (laughs) and then we fell into a wormhole and then we started like just rambling over one another. We're all kind of like this one huge amalgamation abomination thing on the bridge, aren't we, Midnight? Ah, yeah. That, that voice there was Sunseal. Hello, uh, everybody. And in the studio, we have also got Zombie. Great. And we also have Geese. Yo, everyone. Hi. Look, it took us how long to get these people back in here? <laughs> Just we, we had to fall into a wormhole and all get fused together to force them back here with us? Yeah, it's been a difficult few weeks, I think, between all of us, between family, health, work, and everything else under the sun. It's been a bit Somebody difficult. Somebody running to... <laughs> 300, what, thousand miles steps? What? Yeah, it was um, walking 300,000 steps for all of June. Um, but I have managed to raise um, over a thousand pounds for cancer research, so so it was all worth it. And it so, took you almost all of July to recover. Well, my foot's still actually recovering, so. Um, but yeah, I've also trying to recover from all the work and bits that I should have done because me and going outside doesn't mix well one of the reasons why i stay indoors um with all my allergies and everything else so yeah um going out so much didn't agree with me and meant didn't get as much done um as i should have um so so yeah i'm still playing catch up and we're what three weeks now into (laughs) july it's nearly over pretty Uh, much yeah 
So also, I'm hoping. Also, we we have a we have a squeeing fangirl in the chat room. Hi, <laughs> Alex. Yes, that's right. You hear a zombie and a geese. So, uh, guys, yeah. this is the part where you say hi again. Sorry, hey. <laughs> but uh, we are back. Oh my god, Oracle just joined the chat. And we have got plenty to talk about. So, suppose we should get chatting about Star Trek Online. We have got a couple of things in the calendar, um, something we will talk about briefly, uh, or shortly, I should say. Um, Bushfire featured episode that is currently underway and is out now with special rewards until the 10th of August. And next weekend or by the time most people listen to it, it's this coming weekend, um, which will be the 27th of July to the 31st of July, will be a Dilithium weekend. So if you need more Dilithium, like we always seem to, it'll be this coming weekend, which you'll want to get in-game. Hooray! So. More premium currency! <laughs> always, always a good thing. So, the big news is that season 13.5 has been released and that was released on the 18th so that was Tuesday it feels like it was more than a week ago I don't know why <laughs> uh, talking on the GNT show I said yeah I'm sure we're on week 2 rewards already for the featured episode and then realised later actually no it's no because <laughs> we got it on Tuesday and the rollover from the summer event ended on Thursday. So it, it actually kind yep. of made it seem like we had got it last Thursday because we're used to Thursday. Yeah, it's just times just... Uh, but yeah, I just thought it was already week two, but it's not. So yeah, season 13.5, with it came the new featured episode, Brushfire. So that has been added to the FE journal. So captains level 10 and above can play it. Although once um, August 10th has gone, it's more than likely to be a level 50 or 60 start for that one, I would expect. So um, just briefly on it, captains will seek the aid of one of history's greatest Klingon generals to help deal with us and Kethi threat in the Alpha Quadrant. I think we should give people a chance to fully play this before we go in depth mm -hmm. into yeah. it. But just without spoilers, what are you guys thinking of the new featured episode? Oh, I was just about to ask that question without spoilers. Has anyone actually played it? Yes. Yeah, I, I played it um, Tuesday. Um, I simultaneously both love and hate the fact that I seem to constantly be right about what's going on. As I said this, we were talking about Torg last episode, and we're, we're, we're talking about expounding on what the new mission and new episode would be about. And come to find out at the end of the episode, that's exactly what happened. What about you, Zombie? Have you had a chance to play the new featured episode? Yeah, I played it once, and... Why I like what they did with the story, there's 
Uh, I'm more disappointed with the background to it than the actual story, the actual gameplay. Okay. Well, I guess we will go into that next week after everyone has had a chance to play it. Yeah, that's why I was kind of being quiet. (laughs) So, along with the featured episode, we have got some other new features to Season 13.5. And one of them includes the Endeavor system. So, this is something we have discussed in previous episodes. And we have actually had a couple of these come out so far. These are limited time challenges. Um, where you get to complete missions and you get some rewards after doing it. Now, um, I'm trying to think what we've had so far. What was the first one? Um, that was... Defeat 15 Borg was the one on do- uh, Thursday, I think. Um, trying to think. Yeah, 15 yeah, Borg. That was the was second the one. one. Was that first or second? First. Okay, so that, I think that was Tuesday and Wednesday. And then, is it Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, we've had... Because I think we've had three, haven't we? We've had 15 Borg, we've had Complete the Hive Onslaught, and... Yeah, that was this last one. And the one between uh, the 15 Borg and the Hive Onslaught was to complete a mission in um, the uh, Defera zone. That's right. So, yeah, it was um, 10 Borg, Defera, and then Hive Onslaught. So, have you guys actually done each of those? Yes, I have. I didn't even get through the first one before I found out what everybody was getting as their rewards, and it just seemed like a random assortment of crap, and I'm like, yeah, okay, I don't have to do this, bye! Yeah, the the rewards is something that you're actually going to have to pick on which person you want to do, since it's only once per count. So you you got to figure out which character you want to have them collect these rewards. So yeah, but I, you can play it on one character, and then the reward box you should I think be able to move to another account. But then you just need to make sure you open it on the account that you want to, and you get a mixture of crafting materials, energy credits, and stuff like that. But it does seem to be random. Um, but if you are needing some characters to gain things like energy credits and crafting materials. Um, it's going to be a nice, useful thing to do. Um, it doesn't seem to take too long. Um, the Borg. Well, let's 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 clarify because I think you might have misspoke there. You can't move it between accounts because it's account bound, but you can move it between characters through the account bank. Yeah, that's Correct. what I meant. Yeah. So um, I haven't found any of the challenges difficult to do. Um, the hardest one I. F- found to complete was actually the hive onslaught because the first time i tried doing it on um i think friday i think that was yeah i think it was friday um there was nobody queuing up for any of the three difficulties um at that particular time but then i tried again yesterday and played it um and I haven't played it in so long. It was actually nice and refreshing. I think they've actually changed it a little bit because I'm sure they didn't have that many ships straight away, but I could be wrong. <laughs> but it was the same with like um, the Borg Red Alerts um, to kill the... I went and did that um, to kill the 15 Borg. And 
it was fun doing those missions again because it's one of those things that because my time has been limited with sort of work, family and well, podcasting, I haven't been going into some of these missions for quite a while. So it's actually been fun to actually go back into doing these missions, which I think, as we've t- discussed before, that's what this is actually supposed to do. Yeah, and and for me, the hardest one was the Defara because I've never been to the Defara zone before like that. I've never done anything in there before, and it was And some of those quests are still as buggy as they were, like, years ago. Yeah, I, from what I understand, yeah. And, and that was hard for me to complete because there were so many times where I was just outright killed by things I didn't see happening or didn't know was going to happen. Great, great job, Cryptic. You, you, you had all of these things planned and set up, but you didn't fix the things that were broke there in the first place. Yeah, Alex in chat said the fact that they sent me to Defera and I happened to do a slightly buggy mission. Yeah, great planning, scheduling, cryptic, like always. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the thing is, I, I picked, um, I did the two easy missions in the city area. So it's basically activating the turrets and collecting so many nautical codes, um, um, things. And yeah, that's what I did was just collect the cortical uh, components from off of yeah. them. And, and that was the only one I had to do to complete that thing. But it, there were times where they weren't even dropping the cortical stuff. Or I'd kill something and then nothing dropped off of it. And I was like, oh, yeah, you okay. do. <laughs> yeah, it never has been every one that you kill. It's just a random thing that if you kill something, then you can then just you've got a one in whatever chance of getting. So yeah, sometimes you can kill half a dozen, not get anything. Sometimes you can kill two and get two. Um, It is just um, sort of complete chance of what it is. I fail to understand the logic involved where a Borg does not have a cortical implant that would imply that uh, he's not part of the the collective. Well, I, I think, well, one... To make it that every single one would have would just be very easy to collect. Um, I suppose well, they could have increased the number. But the thing is, if you look at it in a more of a law thing, it could be you would kill some of them, but some of them you damaged it so you couldn't collect it. Um, that would be fine if that were the case, if I was using something that actually was damaging their head. But I'm like using a web on them and holding them in place and freezing them, killing them by, you know, thawing and cooling them. So if that's the way their cortical implants are going to be damaged, then um, all I have to do is open them up to a vacuum of space and they're going to die every time. You're literally flash freezing Borg. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) But the thing is, is, yeah, unless they say you've got to kill so many, and the thing is, some people, depending on what they're using, thing is, I was using um, the 116 rifle, so of course it go. I don't need to remodulate or anything else like that. It's nice and easy for me to kill, which means anyone who has any weapon like that, and there's plenty of them now in Stowe, that you could very easily do it, whereas other people who didn't, to get a huge number, would be put off. But by having it as a random drop, so 
it makes it a little bit fairer for everybody. No, no. Okay, here's here's the thing. Alex is going on a rant in the chat, right? And I that doesn't sound because... like Alex. <laughs> <laughs> and I love it because because the whole point of it is look look at everything that Cryptic has ever done when they've removed stuff from the game. They removed the whole exploration system because quote unquote it didn't meet our standards of what we can do as a game now. Okay. Cool. Then you started going through and updating everything, and now you have a new system that says, hey, go and play this old content. A content that's still buggy and broken back when it was first played, that you haven't fixed, that you haven't dated. Okay. Uh, does that not meet your current professional standards, or are your standards just misplaced right now? Well... The thing is, with any bit of software, bugs can be difficult to sort of find and fix. And no, I understand. The thing that. is, the, the, the yeah. thing is, they would go, but it's too hard to update that. Uh, okay, then why did you why did you put in a whole new system for this, that, and the other? And a, why did you take out the old R and D system and create an entirely new freaking R and D system? Well, the R&D system, for what it was, it's so much better now. I'm oh, glad no, they I updated that. I, look, but I don't disagree with that. I, what I, what my, my point is, you could wholly take out the entirety of the old DeFerris system and using the updated and modern and all that new shiny spiffy stuff you guys like to keep talking about, especially with all the moving Borg bits from the new uh uh, Starfleet tutorial and all the stuff you've done revamping the Borg arc and the stuff you actually did by revamping the not in not invaded Defera map, you could literally rework the entire Defera ground zone, rescript the whole damn thing. Because you know you kind of did it with the R and D system. You took out the entirety of the R and D system, and you took it and you updated it and you put it back out there. Well, if they are pushing more people to it, then they're going to get a lot more people complaining. So it will, I'm sure, become higher on their list. But the thing is, as I said, tracking down some of these bugs, if not, because I know there's quite a few people that I know who had problems with many areas in um, the Tefera ground. But one of the things is I never experienced any of them. Which means if it's not something that everybody is experiencing, it becomes even harder to try and figure out what it is that's the problem. So, yeah, to completely ignore parts of the game if they haven't got what they need to to fix things. Now, if they are sending people to Ferret and we get this thing coming up more, we're going to have more people complaining and this bug will hopefully be fixed sooner. Um but yeah, fingers crossed that if you are having problems, um, it will get fixed. I do suggest that if you have had problems, go to the forums and document it and put in as much information as you can so they know how to reproduce the problem. You know, the so, funny thing is, if I'm not mistaken, the Borg on the Defer ground invasion are still dropping the little advanced commodity things for an R&D system that doesn't even work down there anymore. <laughs> 
Um, like the the advanced commodities for the the non reputation remodulators and things. I didn't pick it. I know they did drop those for quite a while, but when I was down there, I didn't get a single one of those. I was given a few here and there. Okay. But I, I, I have to say also that if you're going to create a system that's supposed to showcase your game and all the different parts in the various different areas, whether it's popular areas or the less least popular areas, why would you showcase the parts of your game in this premium system to show off the bugs in your system, the, the, the areas of your game that is not done correctly yet? The thing that's is, where my logic is it's is failing with them because they they could in that system not put the fair in there and bypass it for now until they get the system correct the area correct but they chose not to and showing that off to new players and stuff that is going to be a turnoff in some cases well the thing is the people who decided where things are going and what is to be highlighted won't be people who are in QA or anything else like that. These would have been decisions that would have been made at more of a senior, right, we want to highlight this and this. There'll be people who gather stats on certain areas of the game. And then basically the decisions will be made, it will be put into the system. So problem with things like this is there can always be some disconnect because yeah, the people who know or could know that there are some bugs or something's just really buggy and not completely up to standard are not always the people who will be sort of in there sort of thinking, ah, we shouldn't have that because of. thing is, yes, ideally that would be sort of what would happen. But... Well, that's a breakdown in communication you'd, internally. Yeah, you'd think and, and a company like this that, would have that kind of communication, but at the end of the day, it all comes back down to two things. Administration and metrics. That, and, and also, you have to think about it, too. The guy who's sitting there and, and programming it in still has the ability of not programming it in, telling, telling them that it's not the best solution and the reasons why. But that communication's not even occurring. And if it is, and the upper manager is ignoring them, then this game is going to is going to take a turn for the worse and not the better. But what you forget is, the Fera is probably one of those areas of the game that has been forgotten now for quite a while. So people who had got it on their mind that it was buggy have probably even left the game. So we've probably got new people in QA that's never touched it because people haven't been playing that area and it's not really an area of the game that you have to play to level up it's not something that sort of even if someone in QA did go through it and check it if they weren't one of those people who actually saw it happening then it's not saying oh yeah loads of people did have problems with this this is still an issue because the amount of bugs that they get to try and see all that and to try and highlight it it's not as simple as things as players we see things completely different to them and even if you've got ticketing systems and all sorts of things that sort of visibility isn't always easy especially in an area of the game that really hasn't been used for quite a while now but if there was a properly run qa system they would have already have a list of all the areas where there is an issue and need yeah, to be but- resolved 
Yeah, and, but the problem and whether is whether or not they've had a change of personnel, that list should have been consistent and still there if it's a properly run QA system. If it's not there, then uh, how they're QAing anything is beyond me. Yeah, but when you have get get so many tickets from so many hundreds of thousands of people that it can the visibility of what a small group of people can get in one small part of the game can get lost. Even if you've got a really good team, a really good system, it can still get lost. I understand that, man. But I mean, I my background, I, I support a company that's got like 2,000 people in it. And there's only six of us doing that work for the entire company across the, the, the states and, and in another country. And in even with that, with the hundreds and hundreds of tickets that we get on a daily basis, we we don't even have anything where we we get it lost. There are things that we know that we communicate with the people and say, "Hey, it's going to take us this long to look at it," or we're searching into it. We don't know what we're going to have an answer, so there isn't any uh, outward progress going on. And people see that, and so we have to communicate to them on a regular basis. But it's not that it's lost. It's in that list. We look at it every day. We don't have – it's just nor, as our normal procedures that we go through the list. We have a weekly meeting that we actually purposely go through every single item, see where we are, see what we can do to make any changes, if there is any, any progress to be made or if that's going to be backburnered because it's not affecting uh, enough people. But I, 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 it I should just, still I, I want to interrupt. I just want to, I, w- I want to interrupt for a second and say, audience, these are two tech dudes in their tech sectors, respectively, arguing about Q and A and tech support. Yeah, but, well, <laughs> but but no, it's the thing is when you're talking about a system as big as what Stowe is, with the number of players, platforms, and everything else, sort of. Yeah, even in my company, we have got a ticketing system, but still there are jobs. It's just like we know that's got to be done. But yet when it comes to updates because of priorities, resources and loads of other things, there are some things that it's just like, oh, that bit got forgotten again during this bit because there's just that many tickets because we're supporting so many manufacturers, retailers, users that it's just one of these things that okay, it's in there and we have it tracked, but sometimes because you need to get this done and this done, you have a look at the big things, the ones that are marked as urgent and everything else, but there are some things that they are there, but as I said, it's just the visibility part of it. And given how big Stowe is and the number of systems and places and everything else, as I said, it's probably just something that, it hasn't been noticed, but now that they have actually done it, if say, for example, they'd got it scheduled for two weeks time, they might look at the amount of complaints for the bugs in that. And they may say, right, well, we'll add this to actually get done now, but we won't schedule it for two weeks time because we probably won't get it fixed by then. We'll schedule it for four weeks time because we should be able to um, put the amount of people we need to into that particular one. Yes, but for the the user experience, that it could have all been avoided if QA had actually tested the system before going, knowing and have that list of where all the the current known issues are at, 
and say, well, this is probably not a good one to add into that list until we've got these problems fixed, and then go on. As I said, given how forgotten this part of the system is and how big Stowe is, I think that's oversimplifying it all, to be honest. I don't think it's oversimplifying it. If, if it's a good QA system in which they actually have a tracking board of all of the issues, however minor they may be, they still are there. I mean, I, I know in my company we have that kind of a system where we have all these problems, and there's some that are quite minor, and um, we know they exist, um, and we say, well, we know that exists, but expecting just these this little set of people over here, it's not really that major of things, so we'll put it by. But when we go to do updates and things like that, we look and see how is it going to affect that little subset of group too, because that's part of the QA process where we have to look at, well, how is it going to affect everything? I, 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 okay, I, I hate rubbing again because, again, I'm not a tech support person, but I I kind of want to make a few points. One, remember when we had Maria Rosso on and she had the other QA developer that was with, a, with her and um, they were talking and we saw a picture of a bunch of people from Cryptic and she said, yeah, no, that's the entirety of the QA staff. That is two-thirds of the people who work at Cryptic right there. Uh, that's that's the entire QA staff. I, I don't. I, I, I kind of have to, t- you know, tilt my head and agree with Alex, who, who's interrupted again, and said, "I don't blame the QA team. I blame the people in charge, because it's the people in charge who set down the this is how you operate to the QA team. And if that's an inefficient system, then QA is going to be an inefficient people or resource." I would have to agree with that. Sybil has said, was tech support manager years ago, it killed my physical health over time. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, if you let it stress you out too much, it can. (laughs) So, um, but yeah, um, but let's move on. Okay. um, But yeah, hopefully they will take note of what people have said and they will go through what is to be highlighted and to do some extra checks based on that. So, but yeah, in general, what do you guys think of the Endeavor system? I don't have to do it. I'm fine. Well, like with everything in Stowe, really, you don't have to do any of it, um, which is one of the good no, things about the, it. No, my, my big thing is if the rewards are better, I'd probably do it. But if it's a box of just five random things, now if it so, was like a, a paltry amount of Zen or something every, for like the weekend event, yeah, sure, I'd hop into that. Like if it was a guaranteed amount of like five Zen for completing the thing. Yeah, no, yeah, I'd totally do that. I see it's good for my alts that are low on resources or, th- or money and stuff, and then I'll have them do it just so that, one, I get into the habit of using them every so often, and two, they're the one that's getting uh, built up on resources and stuff so I can even out everybody's resources. My big problem with that is I have a whole bunch of, of alternate characters that don't that just don't do the DPS for some things, like the Defeat 15 Borg. Here I am in my newly created Cardassian character in a disruptor built, you know, galore. And here are these people doing 40, 50,000 DPS in a ship, and I'm barely passing like three. 
so yeah, by the time the entirety of of the um, what was it ISA before we, we got through with the the infected space advanced, uh, I had only I personally had only managed to fire the killing blow on three Borg ships. And there are how many Borg ships that appear in that mission? I would have hoped to have gotten like five to seven. But three? Yeah, I was like, yeah, no, this isn't worth it. I, I literally do not have the damage to do this. Huh. I took some of my lower get cute guys, and and all I did is run around and shot, shot at as many different things as I could. And I got all 15 in the one run, so... Yeah, I was with some people that when we're together, I'd actually, because when I did the red alert, there's a group of, was it five probes? By the time we killed them all, even though I didn't do the final blow, I'm sure, to a couple of them, um, I did have the count of five um, once, or whatever how many there were, by the time we'd got through them. So. Well, again, again, maybe Cryptic hates me, but I literally stayed with the group the entire time, and by the end of the mission, I only had three Borg ships destroyed. <laughs> yeah, they've got a yeah, Sunsteel lift statement. The, the biggest guys around. <laughs> yeah, I always followed the biggest guys around and tried to at least take a pot shot at everything that was there. And um, and I would get, you know, if there was five guys there, I would get anywhere from three to five of them marked up at that time, so... Again, it's probably just the fact that I literally was not putting out enough DPS to even be counted. What about you, Geese? You still with us? Do, do, well, I, I don't know. Do, do, does console have the Endeavor system yet? Because I don't think they do. Not uh, yet, but I thought it was coming this next week. Yeah, no, because um, I think he still does have a PC account. So I wasn't sure if he's actually played it. So yeah, hopefully he will... Be back soon. He, he fell asleep early midnight. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. Uh, well, let's talk about the thing that actually works and is actually pretty decent for the new thir- season 13.5. For um, Admiralty. Well, just before that, um, so with the Endeavor system, you're saying that should we have... Standard rewards or just better uh, rewards? I would, I would like, I would like more of a here's rewards that you can get for today. Like, like, the, like when when Thursday rolled around, it said fifteen, you know, kill fifteen Borg. Hey, cool. What's the reward? I click on the button. It goes, okay. Here's the list of what you need to do. Oh, now you're gonna close the window. No, no, you're gonna open the window again. No, you're closing the window. It didn't tell me what prizes i could get for completing that so you'd like a set reward like you know i i would like to be i would like to be informed as to what i can get as a reward even if it is random and for like those ones that are weekend like the ones that are multiple days because they're supposed to be quote unquote harder yeah i would like a minuscule amount of zen to be included in that you know Especially if you're running content you never run because it's too damn hard. Like, you know, the the <laughs> killing the Borg Queen with the two tampons that show up and lance everybody. <laughs> That's fun. I did that one. That was fun. Yeah, it was good to do that again. I, I must admit, I just queued up for Advanced and Elite straight away, but no one else was queuing for Elite, so I managed to get in with Advanced. Um, 
Yeah, I, I queued directly into advance, and I did it for the first time on one of my Romulan characters, and it was it was quite interesting. I've never finished that mission, even on advanced. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, I've did it for the first time with my new ship that I was flying, so I'd only just set it up, so I hadn't nowhere near doing any sort of DPS, not that I can ever get seriously high like some of the DPSs out there. But um Yeah, same here. And all I was using was an engineering ship with uh Mark twelve gear in it. Most of it purple, some of it uh blue. I'd got the Kelvin Dreadnought um that I just got, so took that out for a spin. So yeah, it hasn't got all its traits, so <laughs> leveling yeah, up to the, the tier it, one. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I used the Romulan Intel one, I think it was. But, uh, yeah, trying to move away, <laughs> especially when they start firing that stuff, it's like, ah, I need to move away, and it's just like, huge, big ship, <laughs> so slow to move, it's like, no! <laughs> then you try and get out of the way, and then you get one of those tractor beams from one of the station things, and it's like, damn it! <laughs> Explode! Reverse, reverse polarity and brace for impact will save your life. If it's not on cooldown. (laughs) (laughs) It's never on cooldown. Yeah, I'd sort of used Miracle Worker and all the other ones just managed to stay alive. They got tracked and it's like, ah, no. (laughs) It's just like... like, uh, uh, But no, it was fun redoing some old missions that I hadn't played for quite a while. And yeah, I do agree. It would be nice to know what the rewards are or at least what the possibility are and yeah to have even if it is just say five zen um something sort of more meaningful because yeah if they had well you've got three lots of endeavors per week so that would be 15 zen each week that someone could get because of course it's a count so yeah something like that would probably increase the amount of people who would possibly do it or even sort of an equivalent in dilithium so um, say a thousand dilithium or 500 dilithium um, on some of them depending on the difficulty so yeah different types of rewards um, but to have a list so when it has the thing maybe a little pop-up box that says for this event you have the possibility of getting this, this, and this with this. A bit like you do with the lockbox. You have a guarantee mm-hmm. of getting this list with a possibility of maybe getting this list or something like that. Um, so, but I, I must admit, so far, each of the things for the Endeavor system I have actually gone and done and completed so far. So it has got me going in playing parts of the game I haven't done for years. So... It's working. I will, I will have to say that against the Borg Queen one, I did get a thousand lithium from him. So, yeah. So they are doing dilithium rewards then. Because yeah, yeah, I haven't got any dilithium. The now, if they if they handed out refined dilithium, hey, hey. Oh, I'll they take don't... any dilithium. <laughs> well, they don't tend to do refined dilithium for much in the game. So, but um, but no. 
I'm liking it. I'm sure they can make some refinements. Um, but as with everything, if you have feedback, head to the forums because they do read it. And don't yeah, be hateful. No, be respectful. Say what you like about it. Say what you don't like about it. If you've got suggestions for improvements, that's the big thing. Don't just go, I hate this, this is shit. Because, well, that's just unhelpful. So, if you don't like something... Not to mention rude. Yeah. Is, if you don't like something, say, right, I don't like the rewards. But say, why? Just saying, look, it took me to do the hive um, sort of an hour and all I got was 250,000 zen and some crafting stuff. That wasn't really worth my time. Can you please make it on something that is more difficult um, like this, that we maybe get this reward or do this because feedback like that is, well, it's just a hell of a lot more productive more than anything. Yes, yes, it is productive because it keeps us in business during in the community, doesn't it? (laughs) (laughs) But it's also the fact that just saying something is crap. Well, you're not saying how you think it would benefit you to change it and in which direction you think it should be changed because they could change it. But then how do they know what you think is something you would like? Plus, how's the community supposed to know, hey, this would be a good idea, but then everybody else could say, actually, no, I disagree because of, and they could give their suggestions. From that feedback, they can then say, okay, we've had this feedback. Nine out of the ten people there suggested this instead. Um, So, yeah, they can then follow that up. But just saying, oh, "Oh, this is crap. It's almost like civil discourse leads to meaningful change. I know. That's not allowed. (laughs) But, yeah, leaving feedback like that, it's what you need to do if you actually want something changed, because otherwise you're just wasting your time and the developer's time and everybody else's time, really, because it's just pointless posting. Um, Jesus, back. Hello. I was just asking... Um, have you gone onto the PC to actually try out the Endeavor system yet? Um, no, I haven't, to be fair. Okay. Yeah, I just wasn't sure if you had gone onto it, because I know the um, consoles haven't got yet um, the new Mm-mm. 13.5 release. Um, no, but... I'm sure I'm sure that'll come soon. Um, I know I've got Escalation on there, but I think it's the, the early, early bit. Yeah. Um. Uh, yeah. So I don't think it'd be too long before we do get it. Um. But no, I haven't. I haven't been on the PC for a good while. Actually, I probably got like over two thousand Zen because <laughs> of the lifetime sub thing. <laughs> so. Yeah, but that's, um, that's is not it a good? Well, I've liked it. Um. Sort of a lot of the things that have been picked up are problems with some of the missions where it's directed people and Sunseal has mentioned about the rewards about saying look to do this you've got the possibility of some of these rewards and some of these rewards um, and about having something maybe a little bit better than what we've got so like five zen and maybe some dilithium so each mission you could get either that dilithium or that zen or whatever saying a little bit more um sort of 
entice people to do it because sort of Sunseal was saying basically he's things like EC and crafting things. It's just like mm, nah, don't need to do that. Not doing it. Nah, crafting things now nah, it's it's gone, isn't it? Well, it's still very helpful to a lot of people. Not everyone has crafting materials, especially new players. Um, as people who have been playing for quite a while, we have gathered up a fair amount. But, of course, you've also got to consider people who are newer or newer to the game that yeah, haven't actually got. What, what I mean is, yeah, unless you've got someone that wants to upgrade their stuff, yeah, that's, and even then, you don't even need the crafting materials per se. Just need energy just... credits and buy it from the market. Yeah, exactly. Energy credits, dilithium, and obviously the the buffs to create the stuff. Yeah, I can't really see a use for the R and D stuff now. Like when you get, you know, when you get them. Um, remember when the you remember when you packs. Hey, no, not the R and D packs because obviously you know you get a bunch of stuff in like you get a bunch of other stuff in them as well as like you know when you used to go through space and you can um you get you get them waves like in various waves um. Yeah, the little scanning mini things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. See, half of them you don't really need now. Well, I don't, I don't really see, I don't really see where the need is for that, because like what you just said, you can create the stuff in the R and D section, um, using the white buff, energy credits, whatever, and then that's it. And then once you've created the stuff, you then create the whole package. Does that make sense? So you create parts, and then you create the whole package using the parts, and then that's it. The only problem is if you're not at level 15, you're not going to get the good stuff. So what use is it for the R&D stuff now? Do you know what I mean? Or I mean, is that just me? It's, you know, it's, it still has its use, but at this point, anybody who wants R&D materials can literally buy R&D materials off the exchange because people sell the R&D boxes. The thing is, not everybody has, and especially for someone who has lower-end characters... Um, things like that can actually be helpful. So um, I wouldn't completely dismiss it, but yes, people, especially who are end game, it could be sort of quite pointless um, with regards to sort of getting those ones. So I do understand what you're saying. I'm not. I'm not completely dismissing it because there is still a small portion of of the game needed for it. But compared to where it was, say what six months to a year ago. Six months to a year ago, it was it was so heavily used for you know buying things. I mean, I think not even six months to a year ago, before they changed the R and D system around and they introduced um and they they introduced this new system with, with the levels where you have, you level up and you use a buff to to do the twenty hours to get more to get more um, XP to level up to level fifteen, twenty beyond whatever. As soon as they brought that system in. All the old stuff, in my opinion, was basically lowered, yeah? And it's lowering and lowering and lowering and lowering, and eventually, like, now, it's fading out. Same as... Um, yeah, because I suppose people wait until they've maxed out to level 20 on each of the R&D tracks, and then they craft the bigger bits, um, rather than doing anything else. That's it, uh, I mean... yeah. You know the the te- the tech points now, which you can create in the R and D bit. You know they're more needed now. So it's like <laughs> the only way I can really put this is that when <laughs> when HDMI come out, 
the SCART lead got become obsolete. Now that 4K's come out, HDMI's becoming obsolete. Does that make sense? So the new the new things that they've introduced in the game, they've overtook the R&D and they've made the R&D easier, better, whatever you want to call it. But now that the stuff that's already in place is now becoming obsolete. So there's no need for it. There's no need for me to go in space and scan the waves anymore so I can get some whatever. Well, not as much anyway. Okay. It's not needed for for people who've been around or have been able to collect that stuff over time. But like some of my newer alts, when I have them, they have none of that things. And unless I transfer it for my other characters, that's what I do to go and collect things up. As I play in the missions and stuff, I'll come across those ports and uh, run them and pick up the, the gear. So I collect it so that when I do get around to actually running the R&D system, I have a, a, a large amount of resources already built up. Yeah, but see, they're, they're, maybe maybe this is just the weirdness that is me. But uh, you know, when it when it comes to this when it comes to this system, as as a player from my player perspective, when I first came into Stowe, they had the old R and D system. Didn't even know what existed. Just knew I needed to take this DNA sample of Egan. Ha ha storyline content to memory alpha and that was the r&d you know this is the r&d place okay bye i'm gonna go continue on my story stuff i didn't know that there was like unique things that you could craft there and you know a lot of that stuff carried over to the new r&d system the new r&d system is hey you're low level you're leveling your stuff up here build this stuff to put on your ship why I literally get stuff from missions and from loot drops that I can put on my ship and literally carry it over from level to level like I've always done because I don't need the most expensive thing. And if I want the most expensive thing, there's the exchange because somebody's already made it. Well, yes, um, it's early stages with the release, so um, we'll have to find out where they go and take this in the future. Okay. Well, let's move on. So, the Ferengi Admiralty campaign. So, we finally got a fourth campaign. So, we can acquire trades and goods to create stronger economy within Allied space to help with the Ferengi Trade Alliance. Or with the I help of the Ferengi do, Trade Alliance. I forgot to do this Tuesday, but one of the three missions that I had for the Ferengi Alliance literally said, hey, here's your payout. Your payout is... 10,000 gold press lat. I'm like, what? <laughs> so, hitting a dabo. <laughs> so this is available for captains level 52 and above. Now, I thought, same as you, some nice payouts here. So I thought, let me just check how much more I need to get for the loaded um, accolade. And then I actually looked at the accolade thinking, I'm sure that hasn't actually changed since I had a look at sort of playing Dabo um, the other week. And yeah, then I read the actual accolade and it's the amount of um, latinum for playing Dabo. It's like, no! I was so looking forward to this Admiralty <laughs> campaign because I thought, okay, you need, was it 1 billion or 1 million um, latinum? And I thought, finally, something to help get us up on that accolade. And yeah, no. Cute poor blighter. <laughs> and I wouldn't mind, stuff. but 
because I hadn't read it properly, for years now, I keep running, if I've got a spare couple of DOF slots, running the little one that will get me a 100 or 200 gold press latinum, just as a way to sort of buff up that number, which was completely pointless because, yeah, we don't really use gold press latinum. And I thought something, because I was just wanting to get the accolade. And it's just like, well, no. <laughs> so one of those moments where if I wasn't wearing glasses, I would have actually just sort of head and desk meet. <laughs> just you, like, you, damn it. <laughs> you, you pulled a pulled a Kirk instead of, instead of saying Khan, it was Quark. It's just like, oh, man. <laughs> I just couldn't believe it. It's just like. Damn it. <laughs> and you know how with certain DOF missions, it it's almost just like muscle memory doing it. The amount of times I've gone to do that Latinum thing, it's just like, no, screw it. I don't actually need to do that one. It's not going towards that accolade. So it's just like, Yay! I'll do something else. <laughs> it's just like... Common sense is finally raining down. <laughs> it's just like, right, must remember, read the small print. <laughs> it's, just, it's just like... I'll read the fine print. So, yeah. And because, of course, it's one of those things that I read it briefly because I suppose what it was, I tried so hard to get that 100,000 um, Dabo um, thing for the accolade for Gold Press Latinum because literally there w wasn't much in the way of anything else in the game to get it at that particular time. Finally got the 100,000 and then it goes up to a million. And it's just like, what the fuck? Just like damn it it's just like screw that i'd spent so long playing Dabo trying to get that accolade and then it's sort of like what i just spent ages trying to do painstakingly because i never got one of those big wins and then it's just like 10 times as much for the next one it's like yeah i'm not doing that anymore <laughs> so literally the only way i thought i was contributing to it was by doing these duty officer <laughs> assignments and no it wasn't so it's just like Oh. But, um, yeah, I think they do give out quite a nice bit of dilithium as well within each of the missions. Um, though I think for going up at the levels, you get a bigger dilithium payout for the Klingon side. So I think once yep. I've collected Ferengi, I'd have to have a look at how much I actually get for doing the Admiralty Ferengi side compared to doing the Admiralty Klingon side um, for each of the runs um, for, was it almost two weeks to do one to ten? So um, I think it works out around the same, possibly. Um, I'll have to investigate that further at some point. But because um, it's just like, as it's not going towards. Um, the count for the accolade loaded. It's just like, I don't need that gold press latinum. I have enough gold press latinum. So. I'm just, I'm just going to tell you good luck with all that. I take it you're not an accolade hunter then? Nah, well, I was. Don't get me wrong. Uh, only the accolades I could get though. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> I tried Diablo, like, oh, Diablo, what am I talking about? I tried, uh, Devo, I think it's pronounced, or Devo, I don't know. Anyway, I tried it once. Um, I didn't really get it, only because I was winning, 
but I, 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 it's because I couldn't understand how I was winning because I was basically putting one in each section and then, you know, if it almost reminded me of like a roulette. That's the only way I could relate to it. And then once I played it a couple of times, I was like, no, nah, I'm not really a big fan of it. And then then I found out that there wasn't really much to uh, to do with it in terms of like you, you get the latinum, but you can't do anything with it, can you, really, in a sense? Yeah. It's not like EC currency or anything like that. Yeah, it's literally just something to collect first. Many hologram stuff, really. But as I said, it's just an accolade that I was trying to achieve for the 100,000. And yeah, it, I thought, well, I'll keep trying to get the, hun- the 1 million, but it's just, yeah. Well, if you recall, the, uh, even the devs have said, Everything that the low buy story is is what they wanted Gold Press Latinum to be. Just never, they they just have never tried to merge those two systems like they should. Yeah, the Why? thing is, is because they expanded the Lobby store, it would be good if they maybe transferred over um, and converted it from Lobby to Gold Press Latinum and made each of the items worth so much gold press latinum then people have a reason to play dabo as well as to get um items from sort of the packs that would then provide what was lobby but would be gold press latinum so it would be some things would have some very big prices see i don't think that i think that it's all part of a marketing strategy which we all clearly know you get the lock boxes. You don't get what you want, but don't worry. You've got a bit of lobby. You can still go off, spend the lobby in the lobby store once you've collected X amount. Then yeah, but see, that's the thing. The you could have, you could literally keep. They could literally keep the low buy crystals in the lock boxes. They could, and the people, the people who have low buy crystals, can literally keep those low buy crystals for infinity. The thing is, you just convert all of the currencies in the low buy store to gold press latinum and you make the low buy crystals their own conversion tokens like you do with the fucking christmas ornaments yeah see i give i i i like that idea i think that's a good idea yeah because they could do it um if they removed basically the gold the gpl store so literally any of those holograms now appear in say the lobby store so that way they didn't have to rewrite the si- a big part of the system. And then what they could do is conf- do something that allowed you to convert any um, gold press latinum that you get into lobby. So you could say, okay, every 100,000 lobby, you could get sort of like 100,000 um, 100, um, gold press latinum would get you, say, 100 lobby or something. I mean, you'd, so you'd still need, need you'd still need eight hundred low buy crystals to buy like a ship, but its equal conversion in gold press latinum would be astronomical. Yeah, so something people could work towards. Um, so yeah, that would be less work for the developers to instigate, and then it means that anything they buy, rather than having a GPL store and having a lobby store is all the stuff that's in the gpl store could just go across to the lobby store because most of that is just little trinkets that would possibly be like the you know you've got the little consumable stuff that's like two to five lobby is just having that 
or you could leave the system as it is and just add in the uh, Lobby store where a Lobby, you know, spend one Lobby to get X amount of uh, GPL, and then the GPL store, you spend X amount of GPL to get one Lobby, and then you can cross update down that way, and that would be a lot easier for them to implement too. True. Is it, I suppose it would be nice for them to expand the GPL store and the Gopro Platinum store because if, say, all those little consumables, rather than clogging up the Lobby store, they could move across to the GPL store. So yeah, they could, that, they could make the consumables all put into the GPL store and then anything that's a permanent item can be up in the Lobby store. Yeah, so that way the different types of things you could get are just separated. And then, yeah, if you had a conversion for both ways, then it means if someone's spending lots of time playing Dabo to try and get stuff, then they are rewarded and spend that time doing that. So, yeah. And getting and those items, yeah. Is you could keep the you could keep the, um, the temporary ones as the cheap versions, and then you could have uh, more permanent versions of your holographic items in, in the new store. As well, you know, yeah. like the, the 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 you know, you can you can disguise your ship as a as a toughly freighter. Okay, that's a temporary thing. Well, here's a permanent one that is a bunch more expensive, but it's permanent. Kind of like that uh, Phoenix disguise we got for the new this year's uh, first contact day. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. Okay, cryptic, perfect world, sign us up. <laughs> they won't do that. They're not. They're not. <laughs> I'm sorry, they're not smart enough to do that. Sybil in chat has said, I have over 3,000 Lobi at the moment. Would love to buy Dilithium with them. Yeah, because if they're doing conversions to GPL, then maybe see about getting Dilithium um, for your Lobi. Because in order to have... You've technically paid out money to get that. But yeah, if there was a conversion... Um, so... Yeah, I suppose all of those things would be possible. Yeah, I did have just over 2,000 by when I bought two of the Lobby ships recently. So, yeah, I don't have them anymore. <laughs> but then that allows, if we have the GPL conversion to Lobby and the Lobby down to GPL and the Lobby going into Dilithium, then that allows GPL to be eventually converted into Dilithium, and that may not be good for the economy at that point. Um, well, given what the conversion rate would have to be for that, I don't think it would be that much of a problem because it, the amount of time you would have to spend doing that would be a huge amount of time. So, because most of the time, dilithium is usually how much time is spent in game. So if you have literally spent sort of like a month trying to get up enough GPL playing Dabo to get that small amount of Dilithium. I think that would more than make up for that. I don't think that would affect because how how long does it take you? I know there are on the odd occasion some lucky people who do get sort of big payouts on it, but they don't come around that often. Yeah, I'm used to only seeing like a couple hundred. I think the largest one I've seen is 500. So. I think I once got um, 1,000, maybe 10,000. I can't remember, but definitely no more than 10,000. 
I um well I can tell you that with this Ferengi thing now I have collected large amounts of GPL in, in short periods of time and and I've even had a payout from them over fifty six thousand GPL out of one yeah. mission. As I said, if the conversion because especially with the Admiralty system, given how much you now could get, that if it literally was that sort of for I don't know, ten thousand um and gold press latinum is only sort of one lobby, for example, then yeah, it's not going. I don't think that's really going to hurt. So they could have a look how much people are earning to work out what that is. Yeah. Either way, bottom line is they need to do something with the GPL before it fades into the dust, like the R and D stuff. Well, we've given them some ideas, so you never know. Like I said, sign us up. <laughs> I'll be happy to fly out there. <laughs> okay. So, in release for season 13.5, they have also done some other general improvements to the game. So, one of the patch note items says, in an effort to improve performance, cloud-like visual effects from certain powers will no longer be visible if within a minimum distance of the, an identical cloud effects. So all other behavior associated with the powers remain unchanged, as in damage, range, debuff, stacking, etc. It's only a change in the visuals. So this change affects the following abilities. Eject warp plasma, vent theta radiation, eject tetrion plasma, eject metrion gas, coolant ignition, particle emission plasma torpedo in all firing modes, the Nicole plasma torpedo, ventmetrion lace plasma, and nadion saturation bomb. So I guess this stops people's machines from crashing or getting huge amounts of lag because loads of people are firing off of all these um, cloud effects around people. So these will... Because sometimes you get people trolling loads of uh, groups where you've got loads of ships and you then get a group of people just firing off all these cloud effects and all of a sudden, while they're doing all that, you just can't move because machines just grind to a halt. While I understand the reasoning for this, I think it was the wrong choice. I think they need to rethink that and think something else because without those animations, you don't know where the edges of the effects are. And I don't care if it's an, a certain distance away for something else. If I'm flying along, I there's a lot of times where I fly really close to a cloud effect just so that I can catch something else in the cloud effect, make it force it into it, and then I move away. But if I'm now flying into a cloud effect that's invisible to me and then force the other guy to come in there, well, you know, I've not given, given myself an advantage. I've just disadvantaged myself and uh, got nothing to gain for it. I am wondering if this is people who are stuck in the cloud sort of thing, because it says within a minimum distance of an identical cloud. Um, yeah, that means if there's two clouds of metrion gas sitting there, uh, and if they're within a certain distance to each other, one of them disappears. So now you can't see it. 
if you're on the outside, you're not going to be able to see one of the clouds. And now you don't know where the full edge is or the fact that there's a second cloud even there. Mm. Yeah, I suppose without further information about how it goes or testing to see how it works, it's hard to tell, but I can see your point. And the fact that they implemented it, I don't, I, you know, I really don't know how it's going to affect what I do. Okay. Um, so, yeah, they've done some other general fixes where they've resolved stuff for um, clothing, um, resolved issues with sort of windows um, around the game, console and visuals, things like that. Um they resolved an issue in the duty officer missions to allow Admiralty ships to be slotted. Um, they've done a slight redesign to the Singularity Warp Shadows. So Warp Shadows can now be damaged. While Warp Shadows are attacking on a non-player target, that target is prevented from attacking the Warp Shadow creator. Singularity Jump Kinetic Damage now scales with the exotic particle generator skill and kinetic damage buffs and they've also resolved a load of other little issues with things like power cells and um, effects and things like that um, in the ui there's been a power tray update added support for up to 10 rows or columns to the space power trays ah, i hadn't read that one before so, okay, so we can now see visually all 10 rows then. We wanted. Oh, okay. I, I didn't notice that. I'll have to try it out. Neither had I. Um, I must admit, I hadn't actually noticed that. In I must have accidentally scrolled past that um, previously. Because, yeah, now with so many extra abilities and powers, trying to get them can often be a bit of a nightmare. But of course, if you've got a small screen, uh, yeah, that becomes difficult. But the fact that it says rows and columns means that you can have some along the bottom and some along the side of your screen. So, um, like, the, uh, like the World of Warcraft screen, is that what you're having, you mean? I haven't played to... World of Warcraft, so I yeah, I that's kind you. of the idea. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. That's that's quite good though, because obviously. When you're using a mouse and you've got a mouse control, you can just flick to either side. I think, um, not to name drop here, but I think Star Wars got a similar thing as well. Yeah, where... I probably do. I don't. I haven't played that one in a while though. I haven't okay. played it for a while, and I just remember having only a few available power slots with um, Star Wars. But um, yeah, they've Again, changed a lot yeah. in the game since I last played it because it was just after launch. Well, again, isn't it? Obviously, as as STOs expanding, you know, they're adding more and more things to it, and they've got to think to themselves, well, where are we going to put these things? You know, or are you are you going to give the player the choice to limit what they've got on the screen, or you know, or are you just going to be able, or give them the option of putting it all on the screen and letting the player choose which ones that they want to use, if that makes well, sense. The next item under this says they've actually added support for rotating both trays by 90 degrees and for two horizontal trays or two vertical trays so it looks like you could stick your um power trays at the top and bottom um 
horizontally or left and right side of the screens vertically or have one of each. God, now imagine if you had four trays, <laughs> two top, two on each side, and you've got one thing in each tray. <laughs> well, by the sounds of things, it has support up to ten rows, so you should be able to have five and five um, by the sounds of things, or even maybe one ten. Or, yeah, it'd be a bit pointless to have two lots of ten, I suppose. So That's a lot of trays. <laughs> Yeah, but it does mean that, say, for example, you've got like the mini map, you could use up a load of your um, vertical trays. So for maybe four or five rows on the one side of your screen and then where you've got your other powers and everything else along the bottom is you then just got another few trays up there. So that's cool. I'm going to have to check that out later. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. No doubt. I think it's good. Um, they said the space power tray settings will now be hidden when clicking outside of the buttons. The space power tray settings now indicate which settings are active. And they've added a separate options to toggle the fire all buttons independent of how many tray rows there are. So if a single tray row is selected, then it will only show fire all weapons. If the fire all buttons are only available for the horizontal trays. Okay, so yeah, I like the sound of these. Definitely going to have to check them all out. Um, I have to look at that for reconfiguring then. Sorry, what was that? I said I'd have to look at that to look at the how to reconfigure everything on my screen. Yeah. Is then I've got to save the UI and then load that up on all my characters. Don't. Yeah. So, yeah, I have I'm gonna a have tendency to... to do each character with a different setup anyway, so... Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, I tend to use the same layout. So, um, though, of course, I can only do that for PC. Uh, so I can only do it for 46 out of the 48 characters. Oh, well. <laughs> Something else to add to my list to do. <laughs> um, so, yeah, they've resolved a load of other things to do with bridge officer skills the game menu button not opening immediately um, in content echoes of light core sampling of the second content is no longer timed instead completes as soon as the player has collected enough material in fluid dynamics adjusted allied ships so that they should move quicker to aid the player when engaging the borg and Borg Command Diamond should no longer flee at high speed. In Dragon's Deceit, they've resolved an issue that sometimes caused the Gallic to be stuck under the ground. Uh, resolved an issue where the Core Assault Advanced Rewards listed that it rewarded Iconia marks instead of fleet marks. And the known issues when it was released is that the loadout slot options will appear as if nothing is selected after selecting one and transitioning to a map. It does not affect the positions of your slotted powers from the loadout. So, um, so yeah, that was the 13.5 release. Now, we had mentioned about the featured episode Bushfire. So, as usual, we are in the first week of the rewards. So, when you play it, you can get an enhanced universal tech upgrade or a captain specialization box, as well as this week's reward. 
And this week's reward was um, part of the House Martok Skirmisher configuration set um, precision instruments. So it's another really good disruptor set. So this was the defensive configuration console um, that you get um, for it. Now, what they've said is that they will be announcing in next week's blog, they will reveal what the next one is. So usually they would say, right, you've got this one, this one, and this one. But not sure if it's a new marketing thing they're trying. They're saying, this is what you get this week, and we'll tell you next week what you get for that one. Or you can just look at it in the game and know what all four weeks are going to give you. Yeah, but that's what I'm saying. I think it's a new marketing thing because it means if people want to look that they need to go in game and actually pay attention to the tooltip. So it gets more people in game to figure out what else they could get, um, even if it's just for the first week. So I um, thought that was interesting. Um, we got a patch the day after on the 19th and then on the 21st. So they resolved some crashing on some maps and some other basic things. Um, it also resolved issues where some people were losing bridge officers upon logging in. If you found that you have actually been affected by that issue of losing your bridge officers when you've logged in, you need to contact support. So head over to support.artgames.com. So for that one don't bother going to the forums. Um, it is customer support because you need to give them your account information, who you're missing, um, and they can then go back, check your account, and then help get um, your bridge officers back. So, um, yeah, head over to support.artgames.com if you have had this issue. Now, with... Um, this release, we also got a new lockbox. So this time it is the Sona lockbox. Now, usually when we get the lockbox, we don't get the same enemy we're fighting, do we normally? I'm sure we usually get something slightly different or related rather than... It's always related, I think. But it's not yeah. usually the enemy. Yeah, but it's never the actual enemy that we're no. going up against, is it? No. So, slight change, which is good. Obviously, this is part of the TNG-related um, um, stuff they're doing because of their 30th anniversary. Yeah, it is the 30th, isn't it? Yeah, I'm sure it is. Yeah, I think it's the 30th anniversary of the next generation, um, which... Technically, I think, begins in September, if I recall what um, Captain Gecko was saying on a Priority One interview. Um, so I'm sure we'll probably get some other TNG things coming out um, as the year goes by. So what do you guys think of this new lockbox that we have? Um, same old, same old, really, isn't it? <laughs> Sorry, I'm being I'm being a bit of a party pooper, but to me it's not really new, is it? I mean, look at look at the lock boxes we've had. We've, I could probably count what ten so far. Is that right, roughly? Uh, I think I we mean, have gone past that now. 
Yeah, I think it's more than that. But yeah, for me, it's, it's just another lockbox, another one in which there's a bunch of ships in it that I'll probably never have. So it's see the thing that surprised me. me is not the actual lockbox itself, but the new ship that you get with it. Because normally, what I've noticed is you get hand in hand um, lockbox, open up a thousand to get you know a new ship, and I say a thousand because obviously the likely percentage that you're going to get a new ship is very low or a million should i say whatever um so you open up as many lock boxes you get a new ship and then that's it the novelty's worn off if you don't get a new ship you keep opening it and opening it and opening it, and opening it which goes back to the original argument of the having the lobby and the other various sorry pardon me i'm just having a drink at the moment and uh, the other various uh bits and bobs that you can get with it which does that which do come in handy but it's not it's not exciting anymore for me. It's just like like what Dan said. It's just or zombie said, should I say? It's just another lock. It's just another lock box. Okay, so is there any ship that sort of stands out as something you guys would like? Oh, you're tickling my taste buds. <laughs> uh, <laughs> the ability to upgrade any tier five or tier five U from a lockbox into the tier six variant that would be nice. Why don't we just say to upgrade any tier five ship, no matter whether it's lockbox, stock, or whatever, to a tier six? Well, that's the thing. We don't have all the tier five ships in a tier six variant yet. No, plus. But more specifically, the lockbox ships that they keep updating, like they just did with the aquatic carrier, I'd really like the ability to, you know, wholly go, hey, you have this tier 5 version. Would you like to literally upgrade it to the tier 6 version? Yeah, just pay us like 10 or 20 more dollars and we'll upgrade it into the tier 6 version for you. The thing is, it depends on what they're planning to do with the release of tier 6 ships because they might get more for saying you got that one so now just buy this one <laughs> but that does nobody any good anyway because they're getting rid of the old tier 5 ships in the first place do you see where i'm coming from well like the the old zindi aquatic carrier unless people really have the old zindi lockbox which there are people who still do there's kind of zero chance of getting that tier 5 ship ever if I now, would say if, more than more than likely to just say they're scrapping the T5U and they're just making all tier fives the tier five U's. So basically they make everything a tier five upgrade, so they've got the extra stuff, and then it's just a then a standard tier five. That's the new sort of standard. I think tier five's becoming obsolete to be honest. Well, they have been. It's a bit like anything. The problem is because the tier 5 was endgame for so long, there is a lot out there. So, um, so yeah, it, it's probably one of the reasons why the journey from 50 to 60 is actually so much longer as well. Um, sort of give people more of a chance. And the thing is, you unlock tier 6, I think, when you hit level 50 anyway. So whether or not tier 6 becomes something you unlock a little bit later on to make the tier five more useful, or it's something that you can then get tier five a little bit earlier in your progression, maybe. But yeah, yeah that's, that's what I'm saying. You, I, as part of the game, yeah, you unlock a tier five, right? 
But a tier 5 now, because they've introduced the tier 5U and the, the 6, it's like... It's like in the beginning when you first get your ship, yeah. Well, not, I wouldn't even say that. I wouldn't even say that. Say the next one up, yeah. The the second ship that you get playing the game, the tier five is now becoming like that because they've because they've progressed the game and invented the tier sixes. So my question would be, when are they going to bring out the tier sevens or more powerful ships to make the tier sixes obsolete? That I wouldn't expect that for another few years. They because. They'd want to do an awful lot more at tier six before ever thinking of moving on to tier seven. Though so it took them several right. years just to increase the upgrade from fifty to sixty, so I think it's going to be quite a while before they're at that sort of level. Here's a, here's another good question: When are the players going to be able to get their hands on a tier six Ferengi Marauder? Uh, considering the only Ferengi Marauders that exist that are in any sort of way Tier 6 were, hey, you spent a whole bunch of money in our game. Here's a gold ship that is a Tier 6 Ferengi Degora. Oh, hey, we're running a contest right now with all of the WizKids shit that WizKids fucked up. Uh, and you can also possibly win one of these Ferengi Tier 6 Marauders. When are we actually going to get a non-gold-press-latinum-encrusted version of the Tier 6 Ferengi Decora? Considering we now have, like, almost every other ship Tier 6 except that one in the Infinity Box, isn't it? I'm not sure. Who knows? Depends whether or not they're going to plan to do more promotions with that sort of ship later. The whole point of I... that ship is that it's 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 just skinned differently. I mean, do you remember the whole WizKids thing? The whole WizKids thing was that it's skinned differently. Yeah, who knows? Um, I think, because they were tier 6, weren't they, rather than the tier 5? Right. So, yeah, who knows? Well, I mean, I do know that, you know, ever since they started bringing out a tier 6, that everyone wants a, sh- uh, a ship in a tier 6 version. So, you know, say for instance, Enterprise uh, B, no, the Excelsior class, sorry. You get that in a tier 5, now everyone wants it in a tier 6. The only reason why they want it in a tier 6 is because they want improved stats or whatever to keep up with the game, yeah? So, the classic trend is, in my opinion, every ship that they've brought out, they've wanted it re-brought out again for a tier 6, or be able to get a tier 6 version where they can change the skins back to the old ones. Does that make sense? So if I went and brought um, if I went and brought a tier 6 assault cruiser, but then I wanted to put the Sovereign skin on it, you know, like the classic Sovereign from Enterprise and uh, whatever, you know, could I do that? Because obviously it satisfies the hardcore fans, but it also satisfies the new people that are coming into the game that they can have the powerful ship. But I think at the moment, they've just added a lot of diversity to it, haven't they? They've added a lot of various ships that ain't your typical United Federation of Planets, per se, if that makes sense. Um, But then they're obviously incorporating them under the banner so that it symbolises that. Does that make sense? Yeah. Or am I just chatting off? (laughs) (laughs) Like, for instance, you know, obviously we've got, got the various races that are within United Federations, yeah? 
um, like the Andorians and the etc. like that. Same as the Klingons as well. When you obviously on the Klingon side, you can use Gorn ships and Marauders and etc. like that. Yeah. So you know they've brought out a whole bunch of new ships, like um, you know races from the Delta Quadrant that you can use, and like you said, the Zindis and you know the Vaughn and this that, and the other that the Federation and the Klingons can get hold of. So there's a lot of ship diversity within the game through one reason or another, whether it's because they're part of the Federation, because they've nicked their technology, because of, you know, this and that and the other. So I guess at the moment they're just concentrating. Oh, and not, I, I even almost forgot the uh, Kelvin timeline's been added into it as well. So now you can get hold of them. So there's so much ship diversity to try and satisfy people, you know, especially shipbuilders like yourself, uh, Midnight maybe, that, you know, collect these ships and whatever that maybe that will last for a little bit longer and then they'll start thinking about, well, how can we progress? Does that make sense? Yeah. Well, I'll get on to ship collections in a moment, actually. Um, but yeah, um, I suppose it, to simplify, Tier 5 would be nicer, um, make more use of it, um, especially as there are so many. Um, I guess it would be good for them to actually take a look um, one of the things, as we're talking about the Lox box ships, um, Sybil in chat says the Sona ships look a bit artsy. Um, they do actually look quite nice. Um, and yeah, having a, seen a couple in game, they look pretty qu- nice. Um, well, they do, they do look like they're, they're on screen counterparts, to be honest. Yeah, it reminds me of the film. Um, makes me want to actually watch it again, to be honest. Especially that Dreadnought. Oh, God. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I think Timberwolf actually created a video of the Sona's Intel Battlecruiser, which is... Um, the Pierce Flying Six. Boomerang! So, um, yeah, go check that out. So I think he took that for a spin. Um, and I think he mentioned, if I recall correctly in chat, that it's got some pretty nice um, consoles as well between them. So, so yeah, um, got to remember to um, get the link for that. Um, so. He must have a whole bunch of videos now with different ships. Oh, yeah, no, he's got a bajillion different videos of ships and ship builds and energy builds and doing the DPSs and the BNs, the elitists. So, um, yeah, I'll make sure the link is in our show notes. I should just put in our team chat for him to remind me to get the link from him. (laughs) So don't forget. Um... So yeah, we also have the stats for the ships, so there will be a um, a link to that, and it, that actually has some um, better um, images of the ships. You get to see more of them actually um, when it comes to um, the actual ships. So um, they do look really sweet. So saying to add to my list to try and get eventually. Um, but the problem I have is trying to remember which ships I do and don't have, especially when it comes to the Lobby store, is not knowing which ones you've got. Especially when you acquire, like, 29 new ones. 
all of them require your mastery. <laughs> yeah. Um, I actually went to, because I thought I really need to track what nuts, I have. You? So I went searching to see if, because I'm sure somebody had actually gone and made a list. So um, I actually found that um, somebody had. Um, so I've downloaded in a Google spreadsheet um, the Star Trek Online ship comparison spreadsheet by Dar Belgrave. And if you go to bit.ly forward slash stow ships, you can get the most recent spreadsheet from there. Um, and if you want a non-spreadsheet version, so you want to go to the website, if you go to the phoenixdivision.com forward slash ships dot html, um, you can have a look there. Now you can use it to actually um, compare your ships, but I've actually used the ship data spreadsheet and I've actually added in some columns to say, okay, do I have it for my main character? Have I done the mastery? And have I dry docked it? So, of course, then I had to go through and figure out what ships do I have? But of course, there is no easy way in game to do that. So I had to go through, first of all, the sea store and have a look at everything that shows as available, slowly marking through everything that I've got. Um, then I had to go through and have a look at everything I have in my dry dock, in my ship list. And yeah, it took a good several hours to slowly go through everything. So, um, so yeah, I finally figured out um, that I actually have 97 ships that I still have to do the mastery on. Not much then. No. <laughs> so, so yeah, I need to uh, start working on that. So yeah, I. So yeah, problem I get is I'll hit out a ship, I'll build it up, but then I won't have the time to hit out the um, next ship. So it's just like okay. Um, I'll do that tomorrow and then tomorrow comes. Now I'll quickly just do my dailies. I'll do that tomorrow. Weeks later, still haven't swapped ships to start actually leveling the mastery up. <laughs> it's just like, eh. So yeah, I've now just switched to the Kelvin Timeline Intel Dreadnought Cruiser, which I got with some of the lobby that I'd um, collected. Oh, so, lucky you. So um, yeah, I've started building that one up. Um, so I think I'm played enough to get to just before tier one um, so far. So something to work on. And yeah, then I've got to go through and well, I've got a whole load of tier six. Because um, yeah, including the Kelvin, I've got 51 tier six ships that I've got to do. And then... Insanity! Insanity! He is crazy. He's literally <laughs> crazy right now. Yeah, but the listeners, they know that. And then I've got 46, either tier 5 or tier 5U um, ships that I've got to do as well. So, <laughs> uh, and then any other ship that I get. 
But at least I've got it's a way just to track it. I log out of the game and not play it for years on end, and then I come back and go, "Oh no, you should have come back like a week ago because we closed the game." Thanks, Firefall. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, it it would be nice to have a way that you know how in the fleets you can export um, like the list of um, the roster and things like that. Um, it would be nice to have a way to have a way that you can export all the items that you collect. So you could say, okay, for this character, I have these ships, I have this equipment, and it literally just exports it into a CSV file, the same sort of way. So you can then analyze it any way you want to out of the game. So I think that would be a very handy quality of life thing to do especially for long-term um players that um because there is no way to sort of track it because it'd take them longer i think to add in a ui where you could have a look at what ships you have what ships you don't and to have that constantly updated and search facilities and things especially to have something like that where you could use that on the console sort of thing um but yeah i think if they could just get that exported into a csv file um so if you want to do a quick click and it will just do it i think that would work very nicely and be very very helpful because then people can see right i've got this and this and i want to try and get that or did i get this um because i'm sure i'm not the only person that sort of has a lot of ships Nah, I reckon there's loads out there that have got most of the ships. I mean, I dare say I've probably got more ships than I play with, but it's for me, I'm I'm not a hardcore ship collector. I just have a taste for certain ones. Like for instance, I'd love to have that um, that uh, Enterprise Kelvin timeline version ship or the Vengeance ship, for instance. You know, you know. Yeah, they are nice ships. But then could I see myself running around in a Enterprise J, for instance? Nah, it's just too big for me. <laughs> so, so yeah, I mean, like I said, there is there is hardcore collectors out there, aren't there? So, you know, and people that spend money on buying these ships and whatever, I'm fair play to them. But for me, it's just, it's just a case of having certain tastes. But yeah, I just think that where you've got your character information, so when you press U and you've got... You're, you're on your own tab for your character is you just have an export button and it will spit out all the things you have access to um, sort of just says the location so it's got this item um, bank this item account bank this item um, sort of on this character and then that way yeah, you can just then use that in sort of Excel or um, sort of any free alternative of Microsoft that you have. But, uh, but yeah. Okay, um, let's move on. Um, we've had a roleplay blog called Tale of the Witch, which actually ties into what you do in the featured episode. What are your thoughts on this roleplay blog? 
I take it, son, this is where some of your problems come from when it comes to the featured episode? Yeah. Uh, this kind of th- this story blog is basically um, uh, a weird remake uh, slash reboot, if you will, of the retelling of Worf finding out that his father wasn't the dishonorable one in that whole chain of events in TNG. Um, in the way that it goes about explaining that uh, Martok was killed, and then the house Torg promptly came and scooped him up and ushered him away, and then somehow revived him, and then stuck him in jail. And that that Jimpok, as a leader, knew this was what happened, but he sure as hell couldn't say fuck all about it or else it would cause some kind of a conflict, uh, which uh, is why the mission to go and save, uh, the you know, Martok is supposed to be this new thing, you know, which is why Jim Pocket immediately okayed the, the, the plan to go and save, go and save Martok. Uh, yeah, no, this proves that Jimpok is just as dishonorable as Torg. Honestly. I mean, hell, when the whole Civil War thing started, you know, you, you, you've had this history of Worf going to the High Chancellor and the Duras guy going up and going, your father is a disgrace. And the Chancellor goes, shut up. We're here to cover your dishonor. And the Chancellor knows that it was the Duras family that was the problem. Like, that made the Chancellor a dishonorable fucking prick. Well, this makes Jim Pock a dishonorable fucking prick. <laughs> he knows all this shit is going on, but nobody can say anything. Well, guess what? Jim Pock is going to die. Jim Pock is going to die at some point in the future, and I'm not going to feel sorry for him one way or another because his whole reasoning is we can't have the Klingon Empire falling into chaos. Well, guess what happened when the other Chancellor died? The Klingon Empire fell into chaos because he asked Picard for one thing. One thing. Make sure whoever killed me doesn't ascend to the throne. Well, that started a whole civil war, did it not? Being dishonorable leads to the very thing you're trying to protect your entire civilization from falling into. It's happened time and time again, so much so it's become a trope for the Klingons. And it's tiring to see it again and again and again, where there's this whole group of people that act so dishonorably... And it gets exposed, and then the whole society that is Klingons either have to cast out the wrong people who did nothing wrong, or the whole entire Klingon civilization falls into fucking chaos because they don't know what to do because they've been lied to. But in some ways, isn't that reflective of what quite often happens in sort of politics around the world as it is? It's not just something that happens with Klingons. But you're talking about an entire civilization that builds, its, builds itself on honor, where the entirety of its own government acts dishonorably. We've got plenty of civilizations here on Earth that it's the same sort of thing. I understand that, but at the same time, you're, the, the whole point, that's not the point. 
because if if that was the if that was supposed to be the point, then the whole rev- you know the whole thing of Star Trek should have revolved around the Klingons in the first fucking place, because it would have been about the Klingons being more humans than humans, and it shouldn't have been the human experience. Yeah, but the Klingon race is a a race built on honor anyway. Yeah. So yeah. they obviously so right. So one one Klingon's version of honor could be another Klingon's version of dishonor. So whatever way you look at it, if they're based on honor, you're always going to get the opposite anyway. So in a way, the Klingons are not really that much different from us. They're just what? Well, well, they're just basically <laughs> they're just basically based on honor. So you, I mean, like I said, you're guaranteed to get dishonor, aren't you? Just, uh, I mean. At least tell the damn truth. If you know shit is going on, say so. Don't, like, shush shit away. A lie of omission is still a lie. Because you know what's going on, you're not saying anything about it. Because you feel like you have some, you know, you have some glorified reason to protect a whole bunch of... I'm sorry, when you use that excuse, I didn't want to hurt somebody... After the fact that what you have done has led to the fact of them being hurt in the first place, that's not that's not an that's not an okay thing. All this all this we we can't upset people anymore is 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 ridiculous. And the Klingons should know it. For fuck's sake, the Klingons love pain. The Klingons' greatest pastime is fucking cursing at each other and drinking. And telling war stories. How in the hell can they not literally come together and say, look, hey, we're having issues. This is what's going on. We either need to fight or we need to to decide if, you know, this is something we shouldn't fight about. Not, oh, hey, um, we... uh, We can't tell you this thing. We can't tell you this thing because... Our society would fall into chaos if we told you this thing. Bullshit! Your society fell into chaos anyway. Well, but ain't ain't the Klingons built to fight? Built for war? Supposedly, yeah. Also, is my mic hot? (laughs) (laughs) So if they're built for war, all they they really want to do is fight, yeah? Yeah. So they're not going to look at things rationally and take a step back like humans and go, oh, okay, we're going to... We're gonna sort to our feelings, and we're gonna do some counselling sessions, and blah blah blah. They're just gonna get on with it, go to war, have a bash up, and then if it comes down to it that they have to tell some lies, if you if you want to put it like that. I mean, they might not even think it's a lie, but if they have to keep some secrets, tell lies or whatever, just so that they can go off and bash up again, then they're gonna do that, aren't they? Like I said, they're not gonna sit there and rationally think about it. It's it's not even about rationally thinking about anything. Jim Park Jim Park knew damn well Torg had taken Martok's body. That's what that's what the lady says in this very thing. She that Jim Park knew that Torg had taken the body, and he didn't want to say anything because he didn't want it to cause some kind of conflict between the great houses. Oh no, it uh, wasn't that, if I remember rightly, it wasn't that he didn't want to say anything, he didn't want to follow up on it, just in case it was true, because he would look bad. N- so, no, I mean, it would literally prove that this great house that had just joined was a dishonourable prick. 
and needed to be removed, would it not? That after rightfully defeating Martok in battle, this entire house took the body of Martok away, revived it, and then put it in jail. Uh, that doesn't make Jimpok look dishonorable. That makes Torg look dishonorable. It makes Jimpok look dishonorable for not investigating that. For knowing it had happened and not investigating it and not sending anybody off to investigate it. Well, no, there's a problem with that. Torg is a, was at that time a powerful great house. And to investigate that, he would not only have to prove the point that Torque did what he did, full of a doubt, but he would also have to be able to uh, defend himself against all the other great houses that uh, Torg will have in his pocket to defend against it. And th the proof and the and the the process of having to go through all of that it, through the system uh, was too great of a risk to cause civil war because if yeah but no fight, no let's 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 throw alexander in jail for doing that exact same fucking than, thing except that alexander is not a member of a great house he was only of the house of moog and moog was not a major house at that time no didn't that get dishonored or something back in the day Yes. No, Alexander was part of House Martok. But he was he was actually of the House Moog. Um he is He's his wolf uh, son, isn't he? Yeah, he's Wolf's son and they are working for Mar House of Martok. But they are still of the House of But is that because Wolf's house and got dishonored? That has been dishonored. Okay, yes. apparently nobody watched DS9, because the whole point of that was Martok <laughs> said, you are my brother in House. Worf yeah. became part of House Martok, not a, here, you are still of House Moog, but you are alive with House Martok. He became part of House Martok. That means all of his children became part of House Martok. He's still son of Moog, but he's That's part of House Martok. That's all words, people, will, and that it's all good for legalities and things like that. But when the oh, people no, 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 let's, let's, think, let's, no, murder, no, that, no, that's, that's all just words, murder, yeah, and smoke. Revi reviving yeah, people, no, is. that's all just words, let's forget anything ever happened. That for, for the way that people are going to look at him, they're going to still see him as, as a member of the House of Moog. It's just going to be that I don't way. know. I don't know. I just... I don't, I don't rightly think so. I don't rightly think so. I think what happened was Jim Pock knew what the fuck was going on. Knew exactly what the fuck was going on. I didn't get that impression. Didn't want, didn't want anybody to investigate it. Didn't want anybody looking in and digging into Torque and finding that shit out. So the moment Alexander sniffs something wrong in House Torque and actually does go digging of his own accord, he immediately gets discovered, tossed in jail, in Torg's jail, because Torg controlled Rurapente, remember? And yeah. literally had to have had to have been busted out by by the guy we all love to hate from section thirty one. Right, but you'll also remember it's not Jim Park that put him in jail. Jim Park did not 
you know, sent him to jail or, or as such. It was the council that did that, not J- not Jimbach. Yeah. But who leads the council? Just because you're final council say doesn't over mean everything. that you have... No, he, he doesn't have final say. You're cussing out there. Abilities. He doesn't have a final say. If the majority of... Okay, sorry. Um, if He doesn't have final say. He has tie-breaking capabilities. The f- if uh, the majority of the houses say that he's to go to jail and that what he's speaking is falsehood and all this stuff, then that's what happens, regardless of what Jim Pock wants to have happen. No, I'm pretty sure Jim Pock has final say, because does anybody remember the whole Wharf Duras thing? Yeah, there was a whole closed-door session where the Chancellor said, yeah, we're not presenting this evidence in open public to the council. He has final say on a whole bunch of shit. He has final say on things that never get to the council. This got to the council. And but don't he kind of overrule the council? I mean, obviously, it might make him look bad or whatever if he does. But it's like, I understand what he's saying. The council has the vote, and a majority of the vote goes for the decision, yeah? So if they want to put Alexandra in jail, you know, they all vote five to one or whatever to put him in jail, he goes. But if it's five to one, and then surely the Chancellor could overrule it if he wanted to. He can overrule it, but just think of it this way. He's overruling five major houses. Yeah, you, this is, this he basically loses the support. This is, this is not what I'm talking yeah, about. Get that. Yeah, this is the what politics. I, thing. What, I'm, what I'm talking about is, sure, there is a vote in the council. But the vote in the council can be wholly based on the lack of proper evidence in that chamber. Which means he has a, he has a rule over the council that nobody else has in removing evidence from the council, in keeping shit secret. That's the power he has in ruling over the council. Well, technically, cutting out again. Have that power ability because if they're the ones that are going to. Sorry, we missed what you just said then because you cut out. I'm saying that uh, all the great houses have that ability because if they bring something to the council, they can hide it. And with that, doing the same thing that Jim Pop does. I just, uh, okay. Uh, as, f- as it stands, as it stands, the lack of, the lack of, hey, he was investigating something. That, you know, that when you do that whole Klingon tutorial mission with him and all that stuff, there is no discussion whatsoever that that he was actually, you know, it's just, oh, he was snooping around at somebody else's affairs. Throw him in jail. Uh, OK, did nobody mention that he was investigating possible dishonor? Oh, no, that was withheld. Oh, I wonder by who. Because you have to remember, you have to remember, and this may go back to the this may this may go back to the whole making Jim Pock look dishonorable. The chancellor, the the chancellor back in TNG, who had the Duras family on his right hand side, because Duras was the most powerful family at that time. Jim Pock's right-hand house was house fucking Torg. Literally, Jim Pock promoted Torg to the council. 
And Torg's whole thing was dishonorable bullshit after dishonorable bullshit. Yeah, that seems like something that Jimpak himself would want to hide. Knowing or not knowing the depths of it. Well, it'll definitely be interesting to see where the story progresses. Um, sort of next week, we will discuss this more when it comes to actually covering the mission, because basically this story does lead into, as I said, the featured episode. So, um, yeah, we can go through and discuss the sort of finer points to um, the storyline and where we think it will progress from there. Okay. Well, let's head over and discuss Star Trek Online console news. Star Trek Online console news. I can't remember if I actually mentioned it on our last episode a few weeks ago. But I've recently started playing on the PlayStation 4. Um, work has a PlayStation for us to use during lunch. So, got a full calendar. One thing I have noticed is that unlike on the PC, um, these things are seem to be a lot more planned. I guess working with other systems, it may have to be that way. But it's also good for us because we can actually let you know what is coming up with some advance notice. Um, currently, people have been playing the Kobayashi Maru. So, um, <laughs> yeah, Alex says, yeah, you mentioned that you didn't want to play FIFA. Yes, not interested in football games. <laughs> Although somebody had obviously logged in um, to my user and played FIFA under my account because I seem to have trophies for playing FIFA. Um so yes, um, this weekend is the Kobayashi Maru, so hopefully level 50 to 60 captains have enjoyed playing that. Fortunately, when it came out on the PC, only actually got to play it um, the sort of three times um, very quickly, and yeah, didn't get to spend any good amount of time to try and get any decent level. Um, so. Um, hope others have actually had the time to do so. Uh, this weekend coming up, which is the 27th to the 31st of July, you have a Tholian Red Alert weekend. And the weekend after that, you have an Alachi Alert weekend. Then from the 10th of August to the 14th, you have an R&D weekend. Then for the rest of August, from the 10th to the 31st, you have the Mirror Evasion event. Um, the weekend of the 17th of August to the 21st is the Shuttle weekend. And then the 24th to the 28th of August, um, you've got the Borg Red Alert weekend. And then you've got a Bonus Marks weekend from the 31st of August to the 4th of September. So those of you who play console will have plenty of weekend events to keep you busy and some events such as the mirror invasion to sort of do during the week as well. So that's all to come. Um, recently you guys have had the tier 6 cross-faction science bundle released. So 
for any of you guys who like to play with science and have actually got science characters especially then one of the common complaints that we had with the PC for a while was the lack of science ships. So it was nice when PC got this, because science was often underrepresented. So this includes Klingon and Federation ships, and I think there was also um, a Romulan one. Yes, just checked. So... The link will be in our show notes if you would like to have a look at the stats and the images for the ships themselves. Um, in the patch notes, um, on the 18th of July, you've got the war game scenario Twin Tribulations, as well as the start of the Kobayashi Maru, which was to start on the 20th. Um, and you've also had... Um, the Phoenix Prize Redemption stores added um, of Tier 1. You've got the Lakari Hokan Science Vessel, which is Tier 6. Um, Breenchel Bulag Warship, that's Tier 6. And then Tier 4 is the VSS Tannis Admiralty Ship Card. Um, they've also resolved some other issues that um, to do with um, large drop in FPS, and um, that's frames per second, where the tachyon particle field power um, was causing that. They've resolved issues with um, crashes that people were getting in the specialization UI. Um, They've also added some hairstyles to most humanoid species. So you've now got half shaved for male and half shaved for female. They've also resolved some other um, things such as some um, issues with uniforms. Um, for content, duty officer rewards that all that glitters now open either the EMH Mark 1 or a duty officer of up to very rare quality if the player already has the EMH Mark 1 duty officer for that character. Um, they've added the ability to replay the Kabali Adventure Zone missions through General um, Quinnell. Um, the resolved issues um, to um, actually progress on the Q Kitima in stasis and issues with Borg Red Alert only rewarding a single mark. That would have been annoying. <laughs> you do the Red Alert and you get one mark. <laughs> yeah. Um, you've also got some systems updates. Um, so Pounce no longer scales with kit performance. Um, Photonic Fleet can no longer be used in social zones. Um, uh Let's see, there's Constitution Marauder Starship updates. So, yeah, there's quite a lot of things in there. The link to the show notes will, of course... Sorry, the link to the patch notes will be in our show notes. Well, so, I think the most important thing out of all of them is the fact that we've got new haircuts. <laughs> I don't know what I would do without new haircuts. Space Barbie? <laughs> Looking in the mirror every two seconds. <laughs> <laughs> so, oh, that's, um, a, that's a good that's a good uh, patch notes 
I mean, yeah. like I said, like I said, we're, sorry, sorry, midnight. We're uh, we're catching up with the uh, PC. It's pretty much on par now, isn't it? I would have thought everything you get, we get. Yeah, I have noticed later. that some of the patch notes included some things that were actually patched at the same time as PC, um, such as like the uniform clipping and things like that. So th- some things are actually being done during the same week or um, I suppose that's because it was a Tuesday update. So it would have been the week after, I suppose, normally. Um, so, yeah, it is getting very close and most of the stuff that we're getting on PC, you're only getting sort of, what, a few weeks later? Yeah, roughly about that. But you've got, you've got to take into consideration as well. The mis- I mean, because you said one there about the science ships. The mistakes yeah. that they might have made on the PC, they've obviously reworked it and hopefully not made them mistakes on the on the consoles which is unfortunate for pc players because it it sounds like they're a bit of a guinea pig well i suppose in some ways they are because they get everything first um but yeah i suppose there's not much they could really do about that because there's always going to be a time delay even if it is a short one for the console um, I must admit, for science, the, char- the two characters that I've so far created for the PlayStation have both actually been tactical. So, um, yeah. so yeah, I've got a tactical Federation character and a tactical um, Klingon at the moment. So, but I might go differently because I know because of my game how I had to play without a mouse for years that I tended to go with engineer for most of my characters. Um, although with some of the newer characters that I have leveled up, um, I did go for doing more science and more, um, and I've got engineering more tactical for the PC. Um, I'd have to actually check my character, so character spreadsheet, um, got the counts of what the representation is for those in there um but i'm not sure how many people because i know we less people play science on the pc than they do other abilities but whether or not the representation is any different for the console um that would be interesting to sort of find out whether or not they do relate um roughly the same um or whether it's different but yeah having a look yeah i've got 19 tactical 20 engineers and nine science um over all the characters so but um but yeah definitely a nice patch to um, add some extra features and to fix some bugs i think uh i i when it comes to the console, consoles can always be updated for, you know, like emergency maintenance, fixing bugs, like that. Um, when it comes to content, content releases, um, you're not seeing the staggering from some other games uh, that that you that that you probably should see from Cryptic. Um, in, in you know, because the reason things are coming so quickly on the console f- for Star Trek Online is because they're being released at the same time. When a patch goes live 
on PC, it is pushed to certification for Xbox and Sony. And it's the certification process that takes the time to come out. Um, whereas you see a bunch of other uh, buy zombie. Zombies gotta go, guys. Uh, yeah, bye. Yep, bye. Um, where you see a whole bunch of other games uh, that are MMOs that are both PC and console, you will see them usually push a PC uh, version and then they will sit on it for about a month so that they can work out a whole bunch of kinks with the with the way it's working and with with how it's implemented make sure everything's smoothed over and is working properly and then all of those updates will be implemented in the push to console into certification yeah um alex has just put some information in chat um saying the last numbers we ever got for the representation of um which um, class that people play was on PC, 51% tactical, 28% engineering, and 21% science. must admit, I did think it was lower for that for science. Um, but, um, well, you remember, that's data from a couple of years ago. Yeah. When it's the, the last time we actually had a anniversary hey here are the pc stats update yeah it, it's been a while um but yeah it's um but yeah it it must admit as i said it's different than what i thought it was um so but yeah if you have a look at those figures yeah um yeah, it says the numbers we got for um, both consoles was 58% tactical, 22% engineering, and 19% science. So, yeah, it's roughly the same sort of thing. Um, it was the anniversary after Delta Rising, um, Alex says. But, um, yeah, it's nice that there's now sort of better representation um, for science as we got with the PC. Um, so yeah, it, yep, it's definitely. good to see. Gives people some better sort of options, um, so they don't feel there's only the ability to play um, the relevant stuff. Um, but yeah, having a look at my spreadsheet, um, yeah, what I've got it's forty percent tactical, forty two percent engineering, and nineteen percent science. So my representation of science characters is roughly the same but um yeah obviously i suppose for me that because i didn't have a mouse playing an engineer was better because i could stick down loads of turrets and things like that which would help me um sort of especially on ground which could be quite hard when you're literally playing with a trackpad and trying to hit keys to fire off abilities um, so that's probably why my engineering um, representation is higher than my tactical for m for me. I'm sure for other people, because um, most people do tend to pick the DPS route. That sort of tactical representation would actually be higher. Yeah, I sort of agree with what you're saying. When I first started playing it, I actually went for an engineer first off. 
because I thought to myself that I want to use the tyrants, etc. There was nothing about DPS then. It was just the, the three colours. Which one? Which one do you want to be, basically? And it obviously again, you know, time goes on, things progress, and all that. You find out that you know, tactical is the best for DPS. Blah blah blah. Naturally, as a person that wants to do well in the game, I'm going to pick someone. Uh, I'm going to pick the DPS, you know, because it's the, the hard hitting ones. Yeah. Which I've got a feeling is a is a kind of the average thing, if you like. Otherwise, you won't have the stats that you've got. So, um, but yeah, um, more to play with. Okay. Well, that's it for Star Trek Online news. So, let's have a look at what's been happening in Star Trek timelines. Does no one here understand your incredible good fortune? Star Trek. Timelines. Did someone say game? You seem to find this all very amusing. We've mentioned before that Star Trek Timelines appeared in Steam as a beta if you applied to get that. Um, I did have a quick play. Um, one of the things that I had said was an issue was regarding making it be a sort of a window. Um, version of it so it's just not full screen continuously Um, well it is now out of beta so as of the 12th of July you can now get it on the PC through Steam so um, if you want to connect your account just like if you also played via um, Facebook you need to go through the tutorial and then once you get the little um, options cog at the top right of your, or sorry, the menu button at the top right of your screen, that's when you can actually log into your account. So um, it doesn't take that long to re-going through the tutorial, although I suppose it would be helpful if you didn't have to do that. Um, Better along- than again, eh? Oh, yes. So just before that was done, um, version 2.1.1 was released on at the end of June. So for all platforms, they addressed an issue where warp 10 was charged instead of warp 1 when a supply kit was active. Um, then for steam beta facebook and the facebook game room they increase the speed of the mouse scroll so this will be visible in specific places in the game such as inventory replicator vault chat crew management away missions shuttle missions daily missions and daily rewards and then for the steam and it was still in beta at the time of this update they capped the frames per second at 60. Uh, so that way it would reduce the load on your um, CPU and your GPU. So as price is shown in game should now be displayed in the correct currency for anyone using foreign currencies. And they addressed issues where some players were stuck in a tutorial loop. And <laughs> that's unfortunate. And some people um, were experiencing problems where they are unable to switch between full screen and window mode by using Alt Enter. 
You know, um, Stu was in the tutorial mode constantly. Yeah. I, I was trying to think who it was, because I, I suddenly think, didn't someone mention? But I couldn't remember who. So, yeah, because that's the problem he had, because um, he said in, I think it was, was it in our chat? I don't think mm-hmm. we got yeah, on like, it. Yeah, it's like, I can't even get past the tutorial. But, um, yeah, I must admit, I never had that issue. So, um, so yeah, they released some um, downloadable updates to um, the game there, and they also had a server update on the 11th of July, where they added some new content, theme gauntlets, and some other stuff. So, introduced was a new Klingon distress call, where... Um, five new missions were created in Klingon space. Um, you had the mega event, A Good Day to Lie, which is currently going on. And you'd got Klingon themed gauntlets that will be available soon. Um, and lastly, they were making changes to the faction missions. So now you actually receive rewards when a shuttle mission fails. So, although you don't get much, you get something. They said, we felt that an attempt should not go unrewarded, which is great. I'm glad of that, and it would be nice if they'd roll that out to other aspects of the game as well. So, with the current event... um, Sorry, a good day to lie was last weekend wasn't it i think because it, it's all part of it's a klingon story arc thing yeah that's right it's a mega event it's over weeks isn't it yeah so i get mixed up with what's the mega event and what's part of the mega event so yeah at the moment as of the th- 20th of july we've got the hybrid event of the heart of the empire so that will be going until as we are now on Sunday 23rd. Um, it will finish tomorrow on the 24th. So squadrons and crew sharing are available, although the crew sharing is for the faction event only. Um, so new crew that you're getting, you've got Daha Master Kang, which is a new five-star legendary character. You've got a new Klingon Torres, um, which is a new four-star super rare. You've got the existing General Martok, um, which is a four-star super rare. Then for your threshold rewards, hopefully people have been able to get Marquis Takeover Torres, General Martok, and um, Kortar, which is the five-star. They're all existing characters. Then for the ranked rewards, you had the possibility of getting Commander Kang, which is an existing three-star. And then the next two are new. You've got Klingon Torres, which is the four-star that we talked about. And then the Daha Master Kang, which is a new five-star. So, yep, if you're into Klingons, I hope that you got in-game this weekend. So it's definitely a good time to get it. Um, Though I can't remember when the big multi-event finishes so there might be some more chance for some more Klingon stuff um, now these last two weeks have gone by next week but I can't say for sure because I haven't seen anything released yet so what do you think of all the changes that came with the 
recent updates, Geese? Because I know, and I think we talked about it um, a little bit last. Well, we didn't. Time. We didn't talk about. We didn't talk about the Steam release, and I have some issues with the Steam release. Oh, do you? Yeah, the um, the windowed mode. Yeah. Is like way out of proportion with my um my screen res, so like the the actual game will go off the screen unless I, you know, make it fit to the screen. But when I make it fit to the screen, all of the buttons and their associated clicking point are jankly out of place. Like if I wanna <laughs> if I'm in the like if I'm in the menu for the crew and I want to hit the train button, I can't go and hit the train button. I have to go and hit the little information, what looks like me hitting the information button to click train. And if I want to hit the information button, I literally have to click an empty space. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no, I haven't had any of that. The biggest problem I've had is when resizing the window. Sometimes things don't quite resize correctly. So I just need to increase the height or width and then it fits back in place nicely that's the biggest thing that i've had that um, yeah, like, hope... yeah me trying to build shit is a just a huge undertaking because i'll be there and i was like oh hey i want to use these i want to use these components nope nope i clicked components above it damn it <laughs> oh no what about you geese have you had a chance to play timelines on theme or in game I can't remember. Um, Do you actually play I haven't, it? to be fair. But I think it. I think it's for the game. It's a good move that it moved on to Steam. Because you look at Steam and you look at you know other places like Origins and etc. like that. And that's kind of the way that I see games going forward now. That you don't just get the game. You get like a platform attached to it. You know, like yeah. how back in the day you used to have games like Star Trek Bridge Bridge Commander, for instance, and. Um, you used to be able to connect it to that Game Spy arcade thing where you could play online with people. So even though Steam is like a shop and that, it's a similar platform. So for the game to expand and to grow its community and that, yeah, it's definitely a good move to move on to Steam. Will there be issues? Of course there will because you're you're trying to put a game that's what started out on a on an iPad, maybe if I'm correct, you know, started out as an app, you know, you're trying to put it on a bigger scale onto a a, a computer, and obviously you're not going to get the the kind of like you said, like the wind, with the window resizing or whatever, you're not going to they're not going to be able to fix that straight away. If that makes sense. Well, saying that most phones now um for years now have had retina displays so the resolution you get on a phone can be in some aspects i suppose even better than what you could get on some pc machines and the way that yeah um window the only thing they don't have is the resizing of the window because it basically resizes to the size of the phone screen but it always stays in um landscape mode if you move your phone to portrait unlike most apps it doesn't change the way the game looks whereas you can change it to basically any size you want on the pc so when it comes to the resizing yeah i can see when it comes to steam they could have some problems because it's not something they tend to have as an issue within the mobile phone market sort of thing 
Well, and you also have to remember mobile apps are built for general area touchscreen use. Yeah. And when you when it comes to using a PC and a mouse, you're going to have a lot more precision control. And that's just not something that a lot of these games are coded for. I must admit, having a touchscreen laptop has come in very handy because I can literally just use the touchscreen. So it's just like having a big screen on my for my mobile phone to play timelines. <laughs> so, so yeah, um, so yeah, I have used it a couple of times, um, but uh, yeah, I'm sure we'll get more updates to fix these things again. If you have problems, go to their forums, let them know, tell them what you've tried to do. If you've tried fixing it or if you've managed to get around it, tell them what you've done and hopefully they can get it fixed. Okay, so let's move on to the main viewer. Main viewer. We have recently had quite a lot coming out for Star Trek Discovery, um, especially Ooh. with Comic-Con this weekend. Of the amount of times I have watched this trailer um, this weekend, um, well, basically, I stopped counting after 14 watches. <laughs> I know, I'm sad, but I do like it. I'm very well, impressed with I've watched, it, with I've watched it more than once. I'm, 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 I don't know about you, but I'm trying to pick at it and see what's like, what's what, and what's happening. Yeah. Because <laughs> I think I think I've got. I don't no spoilers, but I think I've got why the main the world well, why the first officer is the main character. If that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, I can I can kind of see that. Um, but it's a nice new direction. Um, I'm liking what they're doing. I know it's like with most of these things. So people are bitching about the Klingons. People are bitching about the uniforms. People are bitching about some of the tech that's on the screen. And it's just sort of... I think, son, we discussed this on the last one. It's just like, please shut up and stop being such a fucking elitist. Because... It's like what we heard when sort of, although for me, I hadn't started watching um, Next Generation for years after it came out. Um, so when it did come out, I was like seven, never heard of Star Trek at that time in my life um, or really watched any science fiction. And from what I've been told from people who were about when it got released is the same thing happened then as what happened is happening now you've got existing fans they're going that's not star trek i hate it it looks crap not excited because it's not what they used to um so people saying that's not a klingon because and it's just like seriously are you honestly telling me that after all this time you expect to see a klingon as you saw it back then and the thing is, is people say, no, Klingons are what we saw back in the 90s. And especially when it involves these people bitching about the Klingons, it's just like, actually, if you go back to the 60s 
have a look at what a Klingon looked like back then. So people had the same reaction when sort of the films came out and you'd got cranial ridges because prosthetics became cheaper or they'd actually got a budget as well. Um, it was easier and better to use them. They could actually make them look alien. And the same bloody thing has happened again. We've got so much better with technology and visual aids and even the quality of what we see things is that you can see so much detail on like a 4K screen that you need to have this extra detail in it because it can be seen. And to expect it to look like it did back in the 80s or the 70s or the 60s, it's just like, no, sorry, that's not going to happen. And it shouldn't happen because people aren't going to watch. And no matter how much Trekkies bitch about this stuff, it's not going to change it. And at the end of the day, 99.9% of Trekkies, regardless of what they say, they are going to go and watch it. Yes, there will be some that decide not to, but it won't be a huge number. It's not going to break CBS's bank for those people who decide not to watch it because they've now added technology. So you have stuff on the view screen and it takes up most of the space on the bridge, which looks more like sort of what we saw in the Kelvin timeline. It's just like, no, these are not big things. And the important things about it are actually going to be the storytelling, the character development. Um, those things are the really important things. And at the end of the day, the target audience for these trailers and the way that things look, it's not for people who are Trekkies. It's for new people who they can get in that. They'll look at that going, that looks awesome. I want to see that. Mm, yes, it does look fresh. I'll give you that. Uh, yes, people are going to complain about timeline issues and pick it apart and blah, blah, blah. Will it be good TV to watch, though? You have to... I mean... <laughs> it, it, the trailer the trailer does give a lot away, in a sense, where, like, you can kind of pick up what's going to happen. What You can kind of pick up what's going to happen. Um, some people will probably be saying, well, you saw how the Klingons was in the 60s. How did they get from the 60s to look like that? Do you know what I mean? Um, and then I suppose you've got to go back to the books and find out that they was experimenting on, on themselves, blah, blah, blah. The thing is, uh, they don't have to explain that. Hell, they didn't even come up with an explanation for it for, what, 40 years? Hell, it was the next millennium before we actually got an explanation about why we saw what we saw in the 60s. So at the end of the day, until the very final series of Enterprise... It was just that was the 60s. They didn't have the technology or the things and everything else. And it was just accepted. It took some people who watched the original series. It may have taken them a little bit longer to get used to what became the standard Klingon in the end. But for the most part, the changes just became accepted. And it's just the fact that it's a change and for most people they hate change it's as simple as that 
And the amount of people who are bitching about it saying, I'm not going to watch it because of it. It's just like, seriously, at least watch the pilot episode and give the damn thing a chance. Don't just throw, well, why equate to basically a five-year-old throwing a fit. I don't like that colour. I'm not having it. <laughs> it's just like, how pathetic are you? Yeah, I get that. But then there's also a lot of people out there that think that Star Trek should only stick to certain rules and or be a certain way and etc etc you know and it's got a rule fit I mean I'm sure Star Wars fans are the exact same but uh, yeah we're just I think it's just a case of after having to see what's going on you know like I want to I want to dive deep into that storyline you know I've seen what's happening in the trailer um the, the there ain't going to be no spoilers, so because I think people must have seen the trailer by now. Uh, so clearly there's two ships in space, you know. Clearly the first officer's in the brig for whatever reason. And clearly the Klingon ships don't look nothing like... <laughs> they don't look nothing like how, uh, how a D7 would look either with the 60s or now. They Well, they do, they do, and they don't, because... They're like a mashup of, um, they're basically like the Kelvin timeline one, the Kelvin timeline ships where they're Klingon, but they don't look anything. But they do, they do look. The only, the only thing I could pick out was the front bit, you know, where they've got the round, the round the cell at the front, where the, um, the in the bird of prey, the torpedoes comes out of the front with the circle thing. Do you know what I mean? The deflector. Basically, the torpedoes come out of their deflector dish. Yeah, cheers, thanks for that. So yeah, so they come out and deflected this. That's the only re- that's the only way that I recognise that it was a Klingon ship in the trailer. Um Well the shape is still roughly the same sort of shape. It's just back in sort of whether it's the sixties, seventies or eighties and nineties when they ha- were doing these things, most of it was models. It was very much a lot of straight lines, smooth surfaces, because these were just models, whereas now you've got all this 3D technology. You can have anything and everything. You can really make these things look completely alien. And it's one of the things I know a lot of people shit on sort of the Kelvin timeline and the way things look different then, and it's the same thing now. Yes, there are a lot of things that look similar but i don't to me i don't say it's looking kelvin timeline to me it's looking more 21st century they're using the technology to the best of the abilities same with the way that the looks of the klingons their whole armor and um skin and all these other things they look more alien. There's more detail because, again, sort of with 4K screens and detail, you can see that detail on the screen, whereas you couldn't before. You could get away with that. There wasn't that sort of expectation. Whereas, if you want to increase the fandom of Star Trek, you need to keep things fresh. You need to keep things sort of new to use what you had before just because they didn't have the technology 50 years ago it's not what will keep star trek on our screens yeah i understand that and i get that 
I just think that because it's the another thing as well you've got to take into consideration is that it's the first series that's come out for what over ten years at least. So yeah, because I think started... was it two thousand four that Enterprise um... two thousand four two thousand five yeah yeah. Yeah, so whatever series comes out now, because obviously people have been getting used to just having the the movies out, haven't they? Yeah. But now it's you know whatever series has come out, it's going to get scrutinised quickly. Yeah, I just had a look. Enterprise, the final episode aired on May thirteenth, two thousand five. So it's been twelve years since we last had a TV episode of Star Trek. And you think about the progress we've had in that time. And if, as I said before, these new movies, this, these new TV shows, they will be made for new people to the fandom. They're not going to be tailored for existing people because existing fans, for the most part, they're going to go see it, regardless of any complaints they have. They'll still go and watch it. Yeah, I understand that. And yeah, I to be honest, the stuff that I've seen, I think it looks absolutely beautiful. I love the look of the ships, the detail you see, um, the new force fields, um, the fact that they actually go to a planet. They're actually wearing something that's suitable. They're in a desert. They're actually wearing desert wear. She's got what looks like um, some sort of combat um, space suit. <laughs> Um, as well, um, all these little things, so much more detail because they have a budget. They've been given the time to put that detail in there. And I just, so far, I just think the whole thing looks beautiful. I am so excited to see, um, what they actually do with this. Um, I actually showed when my son woke up this morning, the first thing I did was to put that trailer on. I didn't say what it was or anything else like that. And my nine-year-old was so excited to see what he saw and was really looking forward to actually seeing it. So, And I've heard other friends and people online saying, look, I've got friends. I showed them this trailer and they're like, where do I go to see this? It is good. Um, I mean, it's, it's it's a better trailer than the first one they brought out. A lot better. Well, they've had time to finalise more of it and getting nearer the time that they know exactly what is going to be sort of thrown away um, and to actually be in the show so they're not just showing sort of early things and stuff. So, But is there anything that you really sort of disagree with with what you've seen so far? I've not seen enough to have a disagreement with it yet. Which should um, be everybody's stance at this point. Exactly. Um, what I like about them, because usually with trailers, especially these days, we've said this before about trailers, that usually you see so much in the trailers that you've basically watched the entire series or the entire film by the time it comes out. But what they have done is they have very selectively shown little parts of it that give you a general idea of the direction of the show, but they haven't really shown anything big. Um, and although sort of, I really want to see more and just see it. 
it just makes me want to find out exactly where this is going, what they're doing. But yeah, I'm so excited. So as I said, just the level of detail and the amount of effort going in there. Um, I've seen things coming out about how they've got fact checkers to um, tie in to um, sort of make sure that they're actually keeping to the law. Um, one thing us on the GNT show this um, earlier on today, and I'd mentioned about we'd seen an image released of the new phaser and how if you'd seen the original series, the first few episodes, um, you actually have this laser pistol and it's got three sort of settings and you just sort of twist the barrel around at the front. Is no, it a laser it's, pistol it's, it was, or is... Um, yeah, there were laser was, pistols to was, begin with well, before the phases. It was later... It was used again in... It was used again in the series during the Salt Vampires. I thought it was yeah. like a square, a, a, a flat square kind of thing similar to the shape similar shape to the tricorder no no it was no no, no that no, was no, no. um that the was, next generation well no no that was in toss but that was that was later oh the, wow. okay yeah the i thought that was the, um, the animated series and tng that they had no, those the type 2 phaser is the little square box that he's talking about it slots into the type 1 phaser oh yeah, I can't remember that in TOS. But no, um, the laser pistol was one that was used in... Um, Cage. Cage, but it was also used in... The Salt Vampire episode. Man Trap, No Man Has Gone Before, um, What Are Little Girls Made Of, and of course stock footage of the cage in the menagerie. Um. But yeah, but they have the, these the laser was, pistols. Yeah, the, it was it was a big it was essentially a compression pistol of for a phaser, and it was this big turny barrel on the front that would change the setting. You know, it would it would be basically go from your stun to kill setting was turning the barrel of the gun to change the setting. And with this new phaser, it looks like a a beautiful and elegant mashing of the two. So you've got the type one phaser with a little detachable type two up on its top. And then you've got this barrel that looks like one of those really old 1950 something film cameras. that has got the three lenses on it. Yeah. But the way they've sort of merged the very early hand laser with um, the phaser I just think that looks awesome. Um, and it's that sort of detail that they've gone into. And I'm just thinking, wow, sort of if that's what they've gone into for just something like that, what else have they done? And you can see it in the uniforms. There's so much more detail. And yeah. The thing is, though, right, they've got the company that owns the series behind it. Yeah. Pa- uh, not Paramount, uh, C- CBS. CBS. Yeah, sorry, CBS. They've got access to all these, you know, the, all this Canon footage, knowledge, whatever, from from Stowe, pretty much in every direction. So if they didn't get it right like that, then they would get absolutely ripped because, like I said to you, there's so much scrutiny, so much pressure, so much, like, 
emphasis on getting it right that if they didn't, like, like I mean, like you said, they got it right and people were still criticising it. So it doesn't really... They, they're, getting, they're getting criticism either way, but... You're just day, glad that they've got it right, is, basically. All, at the end of the day, all that matters is, is it enjoyable enough to pay for? And if it is, it will succeed. If it won't, if it isn't, people won't buy it, and it will quickly go away. Yeah, that's 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 the whole point. All of this criticism means absolute butt kiss if if people are willing to pay for the show, like they're willing to shell out money for Netflix for Orange Is the New Black. Yeah, definitely. I mean, yeah. <laughs> it is annoying that you wanna that you sign up to that just to watch Star Trek, but then they know people are gonna do it, and that's the world that we're living in now, isn't it? Yeah, but no, I'm so excited with what I've seen. So do you think that that style of, um, I mean, you probably know about the timeline already, but that style of pistol and everything else that they've done gives uh, an indication of where it's set in the timeline, or do you think that's not really, that doesn't really matter because it can kind of stand on its own feet, if that makes sense? Well, we already know where it stands in the timeline. This is all supposed to take place ten, bef- uh, ten years before the cage. I mean, that, they, um, they've blatantly said that this is supposed to. I mean, the first. I think it's ten that. years before the five-year mission, rather than ten years before the cage, because the cage um, was before Kirk took over. Okay. Um, but yeah, it. Okay, I just want to put that out there. But. Um, but yeah, they've made updates and they've added a lot more detail to everything that gets seen. I mean, which they should. Yeah. You know, when you, you know, Terry brought this up earlier this morning from the GNT show. When, when you have, when you had Toss back in the 60s, yeah, sure, they were using cathodes and gumdrop buttons and, and these flippy switches and on and 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 stuff that looked futuristic in the 60s and then you had the magical stuff like the communicators and the transporters and the replicators and the memory sticks that were made out of wood that were just little wooden slats well, we've kind of gotten to the point where we have most of that. We have cell phones. And because of the next generation, we have iPads. And we have memory sticks that can hold gigs and even terabytes now of information. Thanks, yeah. flash drives. But yeah, we what we don't want to do is to go back to seeing what we saw in the original series of big tape reels and things like that, because people are going to see that again. What the hell? Why would the future? <laughs> it's just like, no, I could, I could see that being done if it was another kind of Landrew like situation, because that's a completely different uh, planet with a completely different technology. And that technology then got stagnant. Yeah. So, but yeah, just general use on like the ships and things like that. Because yeah, we had that sort of te- um, those sorts of funny things on the ship in some instances and things like that. Just like we don't want to be seeing that sort of thing on the ships now. 
it's just like no we we're too far forward in our own development um and the thing is you make it the show look dated people aren't going to watch it well see that the, there's the there's a medium to it you can give it the charm of something retro yeah while still making it look a whole lot better than it did back then which is the whole point of the ship in the first fucking place. The Discovery, hello, that is blatantly taken out of the sketch pads of the people who were drawing the first Enterprise in the first fucking place. <laughs> I mean, just because this ship looks old doesn't mean everything about it has to be super gumdroppy buttons and reel-to-reels and wooden slat isolinear chips, okay? Yeah. But, as I said, I am looking forward to this series an awful lot. Um, From what I can see, so much care has been put into it. And the thing is, one thing that to me shows is just the fact that we've got so much Star Trek talent when it comes to writing. So if you've got Kirsten Beyer, um, who's written, uh, just finished all her novels they were so good. Um, you've also got Dayton blank Ward, on the other ones. Dayton Dayton Just the amount of talent that's involved, whether it's from the comics that will be um, linking into it to the writing staff and people you've got that have directed and produced before for Star Trek. You've got people who have been involved in Star Trek for a long time. You've got people who they themselves are fans of it. They want to make it good because by making it good, by making it watchable, by making it relevant, it will continue. When when Dayton Ward says, sit down and shut up and watch the first episode before your ass complains, you have no excuse. Didn't um, Jonathan Franks direct an episode or didn't they... Get him on board somehow, because I remember reading that somewhere. Yep. Um, He's on board to um, direct one of the episodes. No! It's going to be another series finale that everybody goes, that never happened. That never happened. (laughs) (laughs) But I think, well, that particular episode, that came, that wasn't his decision that uh, no I that was understand. written and everything else i know that, so, that was that was a way for them to try and wrap up the show because hey we have to wrap up the show and they did it as it is it has happened with every fucking series for star trek it, it's it's it happened with toss it happened with tng it, i mean the about the the only best way that it happened was with ds9 let's be honest that was the only best way that they had an actual good send-off for a trek series well and even then uh, yeah. it kind of left a whole bunch if, of fucking questions if you exclude the cisco yes the rest of it was good um although i did like the fact that with Voyager, it did end up finishing it off, although it seemed very rushed that like everything happened in the last two episodes. Um, but Borg swallowed by Borg, last tricobalt torpedo, something about it exploding. 
something about a big, huge, mega thing. Oh, and time travel, because of course. But no, I I, I like Endgame. That's one of my favorite oh, Voyager episodes. Really, Endgame is a really good one. It's just it moves so quickly that you're like, wait, what? What? Yeah. What? Uh, as I said, it it seems very rushed. It would have been nice if they spent like half a season on it at least but <laughs> i mean it literally starts off with voyager returning to earth and it's like that was scenes from the voyager returning to earth's like 40 something years ago and like what the where the hell are we <laughs> oh. yeah chakotay's dead seven's dead what the fuck what happened here to be fair though it was it was a typical i think it was a typical ending because they've been battling the ball ever since they turned up there you know, Janeway's had her run-ins, and you know they've got they've got they've even got a Borg on the, or they've had a few Borgs on the ships. You know, join the crew, blah blah blah. So it was only really inevitable that they face off against the Borg. But I guess doing it the way they did, I can see why you said it was rushed. Yeah, um, but yeah, <laughs> these days things. As I said, programming has changed. It's, yeah, it, as I said, I'm really interested in how things are going to progress. Um, but, um, but yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Um, as we mentioned, Discovery has been at Comic-Con, so huge amount of stuff. Um, basically, it looks like they had a mini museum They've had loads of props, costumes on show. They had the stars um, out. They had panels. Um, I still haven't finished going through bits that I've seen coming out of um, Comic-Con. It's so much. And also that Discovery are heading to STLV. So, um, yeah, anyone heading over there? go have a look um it'd be interesting to see if one we get any more information or whether or not they bring in that what they had as that sort of museum um sort of style from comic-con they actually take that to stlv so people can get a really good look at what's there so um yeah i guess um, we'll find out more um if you haven't seen the trailer um the links will be in the show notes there'll be two links um Basically, there are two trailers. One is from Netflix, which is for non-US people, and anyone in the US cannot see it. And then people who, like me in the UK, Europe, they they will see that Netflix one, but you won't be able to see the CBS one, which has the US version on it. So I'll include both links in um, the show notes. So if you haven't seen it... I have one question. I have one question. Yeah. You USS Europa, what you doing getting exploded? What 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 you not supposed to be out here getting exploded? What you doing out here getting exploded? <laughs> it looked like me to suicide, didn't it? Yeah, there is there is a ship which blows up. Um the detail, just the way that you see the hull sort of crumple and rip apart. As I said, the amount of detail is just amazing. And I must admit, as with probably every other geek thing, I'm thinking that ship name and number doesn't ring a bell. So head over to Memory Alpha and <laughs> having a look. Just like, okay, not anything that's currently in law. <laughs> so, 
now, what you now doing getting exploded? You ain't supposed to be out here. What you what you doing out here? Why are you getting exploded? Why does it look like the Borg is after you and crumpling your hull? <laughs> but yeah, it, it's as I said, what I've seen so far, very impressive. If you haven't seen the trailer um, or the second trailer, yeah, unless you're really one that really doesn't want to see anything until you see the final thing, um, then fair enough. But otherwise, yeah, go have a look at the trailer. Um, as I said, I am very, very impressed with it. But um, yeah, Alex says in chat, it was funny how many people yelled at CBS because they were from outside the US. How many people yelled at Netflix because they were from the US and the Canadians yelled at both because they claim they couldn't watch either. I don't know about the Canadians, but yeah, there's lots of people saying, oh, I can't watch the Netflix version because they're from the US. And loads of people saying, I can't watch the CBS version. It's just like, well, they've done it to lock it down to their own distributions. Canadians probably had... Um, whatever network they've got release a version of it basically from what it sounds like is the trailer is the same but the date and the branding is different so netflix has the netflix logo on it has the september 25th date whereas the u.s version would have had september 24th and probably would have had cbs all access branding so um the fact that you're going to be region locked of where you can watch it. Um, they've obviously done that with the marketing. So you're seeing where you're going to actually view it. Um, so I can understand that. Um, although when it comes to social media, getting the message out, it does make things that little bit harder. Um, so I can see why they did it. Although I, it's a bit harder when people are sharing things. It's like, Oh, I can't see that. <laughs> but as it gets people talking, oh, there's another link here. Go view that. <laughs> so, but, but yeah, it, as I said, I will put in both links to cbs.com and to YouTube, which has got the Netflix um, advert on it. So regardless where you are, and hopefully if you are in Canada, It'll be in one of those. If you find there is a different link that we should use for Canadians, please let me know. I will add it to the show notes for anybody else who goes back later. So, yes, we should move over to conventions. Convention news. Okay, so today I suddenly realised how close Star Trek Las Vegas actually was. Um, sort of when all this stuff came out, Comic Con, sort of was talking to some friends, saying, "Oh, I wonder if, if and when they'll do something for STLV." Thought I'd go have a look, and then I suddenly thought, "Hang on, how far away is STLV?" Then had a look and thought, "Geez, it's in like two weeks' time, or less than two weeks' time." Um, like a week and a half because it's the second to the sixth of august so it's just like whoa <laughs> where did that come from <laughs> i'm sure we've only just had it <laughs> so this year it is once again for five days so wednesday thursday friday saturday and sunday um they've got more than a hundred guests 
Um, I know they usually like to hit um, the 100 mark. Um, I think so far they're slotted to have 120 people um, be there. So um, that does actually include writers as well. So that includes people like David Mack and David Ward. Um, David Ward, Dayton Ward. Um, as well as sort of all the actors and things like that. And it also includes Jordan Hoffman, who is the host of the official Star Trek podcast. Um, so uh, you can, um, he'll be around, no doubt, interviewing everyone as he did last year. So, yeah, there's plenty of people attending. Um, so um, I'm trying to think here. I'm just quickly scrolling down whether or not they've got all the captains because they've got Shatner. I think um, they've. I think Patrick Stewart is actually attending this one, um, and Catherine Mulgrew is um, slated as well. But I don't think they've got. Um, oh, blank on his name, Cisco. Um, oh. Avery Brooks. Avery Brooks, thank you very much. I don't think they've got him or Scott Bakula um, attending. Um, I haven't seen um, them appearing. As I said, I'm just scrolling through the list very quickly just to double check. I've only got a chance to have a quick look um, earlier on. But yeah, they've got lots of actors, they've got writers, they've got producers, composers. Um, they've got a huge lineup of people attending. Um, so a very good um, turnout. So um, yeah, I'm sure there's somebody there. Um, oh, they've even got um, Robert Hurt, who um, is a scientist at Caltech. Um he actually appears um, as a consultant for Priority One. Um, so if you're a listener there, he'll often give um, science facts about stuff that's been in the news and how it relates to Star Trek. Um, so, yeah, um, nice big list. Um, now, as I did mention that um, some of the events includes Discovery. And, Go um, on. There's a presentation um about them um they have they've um given information that there is a discovery exhibition um which won't be open until thursday um so that's where you can see the displays so that's where i'm saying i wonder if that is the same sort of museum type thing that was seen at comic-con so although I haven't so far seen anything that has said we're going to have much in the way of Star Trek Discovery stars actually appearing at the convention. Although it's two weeks away, given the fact that they've just had the um, trailers released this coming week, it might be possible we'll actually see some announcements for some Discovery stars and writers and things appearing there as well. Um, as I said, it's a possibility. I've not heard anything that would suggest that. That's just me thinking out loud. Um, 
sort of big news with Discovery. Um, they've got the displays that's just been announced. I'm sure they've been trying hard to get people and especially as they seem to the people behind it and who are involved in discovery seem to be very good at doing things at conventions as was seen at the comic-con so um it looks like they'd be a nice fit um and they seem to be pretty good at keeping quiet on details on the storylines as well um so yeah it'd be nice to uh, see that people who are able to actually attend um, are able to sort of speak to those people. Um, Although, of course, me attending is not going to be a thing that happens. Um, It's going to be quite a while before I can afford to get out to attend STLV. But, um, yeah, hopefully next week we can report back whether or not... um, we hear if that's actually the case. So, yeah. Um, <laughs> sorry, I was just reading what was put in chat and then I realised who put it there. <laughs> <laughs> no, somebody said, is Avery Brooks a little out there? Yeah, Brooks was out there when he was in character. Like, even when he was playing Cisco. Brooks is like the town crazy. He's lovable and stuff, but he just sings way too much for people. I mean, if you have ever watched any of the interviews with Avery Brooks when he's talking about being on on Deep Space Nine, he just, for some unexplicable reason, just starts going off into song and then circles right back around him to coming back into talking about it. And just like, where did that come from? Um, what what's what's going on? What 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 happened? Did did I just imagine what happened? Am I the one going crazy? What was he really abducted by the prophets? You just you, uh, those questions come, and it's like you, you know you you can't help it. He's just every Brooks is every Brooks, and that's okay. It's a great thing that he's that way. Some people just can't can't handle it and <laughs> makes their brain explode that's uh but yeah as i said by the looks of things lots um going on um at stlb um if you are attending please let us know um interested to find out how many other listeners are actually going and we'd also be interested to get your thoughts on what went on there as well Okay, well, let's head over to community feedback. Community feedback. Join with us. Share your thoughts. Resistance is futile. We had some feedback from Alex. Um, Did you want to go through... Um, feedback, Sunseal? Okay, so, guys, we've been away for so long that not only has Alex written a novel, he's written War and Peace. I'm, I'm, I'm not even kidding. There's like <laughs> pages and pages of a reply here. And that's, wow. that's even with the separating the community questions out. That is dedication. 
Look, he's our fan. He's obsessive, but he's our fan. God love him. That's true. Or any other various deity. Various other deities are available. So our our first community question uh, was, how does the new Endeavor system feel to you? Is it a nice new challenge, or do you feel it's a reason to shore up player numbers? Alex responded on the forum. Well, I'm not sure if I'm qualified to make a statement yet, but since you've asked, I'll give it my first impressions. According to this week's livestream, the system is meant to reward you for basically five minutes of quote-unquote effort. The most difficult quote-unquote endeavor is going to be playing an advanced queue. Well, let's talk about the rewards for a second. You get a box that contains five slots. For every slot, you get a random reward from a pool of rewards. Energy credits, skill points, R&D materials, dilithium, choice of marks. I might have missed something. Anyway, Cryptic is basically injecting these things into the game's economy for some reason. As a side effect, they get to manipulate their metrics. I mean, whenever people complain about certain queues being dead, Cryptic can point at their metrics and claim that all the queues see play for two days every few weeks a month. Or that all energy types are being used, even if it's just for two days every few weeks or months. And for two days every few weeks, support players get to enjoy their favorite playstyle because the Endeavor system asks them to do shield healing. And that's the moment when DPS players will complain about the troll griefer that keeps them from completing their endeavor by healing them before they can heal themselves. Don't say that it won't happen. I told you about the live stream when the DPS player asked Bordicus to do something about those troll griefers that mess up his go-down fighting DPS by healing him. But this is where I get into game design. And like I said, there's still an email in the making. You got enough of a feedback backlog already. Oh, how true. So our second community question was, what is your take on the Razor Cortex partnership with Cryptic? Alex responded, see, I, I use the Arc Launcher once per day, if I remember it, for the rewards, and I turn it off immediately afterwards. This Razor thing does not interest me at all. I won't download it. End of story. I, I'm kind of in the same boat. Just remember when, when Cryptic had that partnership with Raptor? Yeah. Cryptic hasn't said shit about that since then. Like, I had to find out from other people that they had a promotion on Raptor for selling stuff that had gone on and then went away months and months before. Because Cryptic sure as hell didn't keep people informed about that shit. So, general feedback. Because the last two questions we asked were about timelines. And you know how Alex is about timelines. <laughs> I kid. I kid. Hello again, Tribbles. Since you skipped two shows in a row, are you alright? I, I guess I'll have to ask, add some feedback here. Although I'm starting to get a bit of a backlog when it comes to feedback. There is still the mail about voice acting waiting to be sent, and I feel like I have to send you an email about game design, or rather game development, but because the last couple of live streams. Anyway, let's get this party started. Constitution and Miranda graphical update. Once again, representatives of the art team prove they are by far the best part of the team at Cryptic. Just outstanding work. And now, I respectfully ask you to leave. Are the artists gone? I still hate the fact that these Tier 6 ships 
have access to the original skins. You, the content team at Cryptic, make such a big deal out of the Temporal Prime Directive. You, not me! Bullets throw these ships that have absolutely no business being available as in-game ships, just like the 23rd and 26th and 31st Temporal Ships. But hey, my fun is wrong. And immersion doesn't pay the bills, except that it would if you did it right. But that might require reinvesting more money into the game, and Perfect World is either unwilling or unable to do that, or they're spending all of the money on voice actors. And look at that, the new skin is done just in time for the rerun of the R&D promotion. What a coinkydink. Season 13.5 launches July 18th. Uh, another half-ass season release. That's nice, shrug. So what do we get? Let's get this over with. Endeavor system, reads the blog. Okay, they're trying to push their almighty metrics. Fine, whatever. Next. Martok joins the Stowcast. Yeah, I knew that. Like I said in my previous piece of feedback, someone posted about it on Reddit. Gigi Hertzler spilled the beans in an interview. I think the podcast has been published the last week of May. I don't remember if he said that he would voice Martok, but when I listened to that part of the interview, he did say that he would be voice acting over at Cryptic in June. The Ferengi Admiralty Campaign. You know, during... I think it was last week's livestream. Porticus mentioned that they might potentially be working on a new lat on new Latinum stuff, which translates to they are definitely working on something but are completely clueless as a, as to whether or not they'll get any of it done in time. Well, this new Admiralty campaign is a thing, so I'll max it out and worry about potential Latinum purchases afterwards. Kobayashi Maru event. Like the Sompek thing, I won't play it, but if you do, have fun. As a side note, I guess the next time Sompek comes around, it might have something time, uh, might have a timed version too. RP Blogs, a first tale. Once again, it's well written, it seems to make sense, and I guess we'll never really meet any of these characters in game, so, uh, yay? <laughs> Retaking the test. So this blog claims that the cadets have been prepared to fail, but our protagonist still suffers a panic attack. And it's a fellow cadet who notices this and tries to snap her out of it. Uh, where are the real counselors? Shouldn't some senior staff member have noticed something? Maybe during the extensive debriefing? After how many years, this particular captain still needs to leave the bridge in a hurry to do breathing exercises in a ready room, because she's been ordered to take the test again. Let me try to phrase this very carefully. I'm not sure if she should be in command of a starship at this point in time. I would encourage her to seek counseling. Through counseling. She seems... Uh, or thorough counseling, excuse me. She seems to have some sort of issues. And I'm not sure if breathing exercises are enough. I mean, read the blog again. She'd rather be sent to the front lines than having to take the Kobayashi Maru again. And her first officer gets the counselor because she left the bridge in such a hurry. This captain has issues. She needs help. I mean, she may be a fictional character, but if she was real, I'd worry about her. By the way, mentioning her curls and using the new hairstyle in the picture that accompanies this blog, that's attention to detail. 
and I see you try really hard to justify the time and effort that has been put into that cosplayer. I wholly agree. <laughs> that was like the one thing that stood out the most to me. It's like, oh, curly hair. They're using the curly hair. They are really going to push this thing as hard they, as they can now to justify the fact that they did it without any sort of anything else. Just cause. Other stuff. Remember my previous feedback about the female, my female Vulcan clipping in the hula skirt or shirt? Cryptic finally got around to fixing it. I would be impressed if it hadn't taken them this long, but that's a scheduling problem. So, whoever fixed it, you have my sincere gratitude. Keep up the good work. Timelines. Okay, I didn't want to talk about it anymore, but since Midnight asked me a question, I'm not sure if I ever said that I wanted to play Timelines. If I did, sorry about the confusion. See, I really wanted to play Overwatch. Timelines, not so much. As long as you play, uh, as long as you Tribbles were still riding the launch high, I will admit I was mildly curious. Curious enough to jump through the hoop of creating an account if there had been a standalone browser version. Yes, that's a tiny hoop, but it's still technically a hoop. That was their window of opportunity. The more time to pass, the less enthusiastic you got. Which turned... Uh, which turned, which in turn lessened my curiosity. Remember when we talked about the release of the second Renegades thingy? I watched the first one, when it was still called Star Trek Renegades. It left me with a resounding, eh, but I was willing to give their second production a try. They decided to hide it behind some sort of sign-up process. You can call that a minor inconvenience, and you're right, but I'm not willing to put up with that. I'm just not that interested. Case closed. Same thing with timelines. Well, not just that. There's also the issue that instead of a standalone browser, the first thing they did was introduce a Facebook version. If I'm not willing to create a Facebook account for Tribbles, I most definitely won't create one for timelines. Way too many hoops to jump through. If there are just so many other things out there that compete for my time. Real life, a bunch of Blizzard games, Star Trek Online... The live show, your live show, Lord of the Rings Online, Star Wars The Old Republic, Neverwinter. In Lotro and Neverwinter, I still don't have even a single max level character. I really need to find the time to play those games some more. RP Blogs. One last thing about a first tale. See, who would want a Jim Hadar who's almost independent from Ketracel White? Who reaches an age of 40 plus years? Mm-hmm. People who want playable Jim Hadar. That still makes sense from a lore and RP perspective, right? And look at that. We just had an expansion last year. So the next expansion might hit next year, which would coincide with Deep Space Nine's 25th anniversary. I'm not saying. I'm just saying. Take notes and let's compare them with the four-time hits. Or the X4 hits. Oh, oh, okay, wait. I read that wrong. Twice. L take notes and let's compare when Expansion 4 hits. That's what he meant. By the way, I still want playable Cardassians. Much more than the Jem'Hadar or Changelings. I agree. I agree. I'm not sure how that would even be remotely sensible. Or Borg. Wait. I'm a lifetimer. I've already got playable Liberator Borg. 
Mm. Tale of the Witch. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Another well-written blog, still un- uh, under-advertised, still underutilized, and I'm still waiting to see where this goes before I make a judgment on whether or not the whole story arc actually makes sense. Lastly, giveaway. Quick update. Still nothing about the ship. I don't know if it's supposed to take this long, and I did not want to take Kale's attention off his work. But I think I'm going to have to use this weekend to send an email to his account and ask about the state of the things. I will let you know if something happens. Midnight, it would be a good idea for you to also get in contact with Ambassador Kale. Yep, I shall follow up on that. Did you enjoy War and Peace? I think I need to settle down for a long winter's nap. <laughs> um, you also missed one of them. Question three about Discovery. Did I? Uh... <laughs> okay, yeah, I'll go back. Question number three. With the Discovery premiere date announced, are you eager to find out what the show is all about? Alex responded, not really. I'm glad I'm in Europe, meaning that I could get it through Netflix. So I might actually subscribe when the whole season is out to watch and some of the other stuff on there. But that's, how should I put it? Let's let's cross that bridge when we get there. Oh, being emotive for other people is exhausting. <laughs> Stop making me run marathons, dammit. Well, thank you for your feedback. Hopefully soon I shall catch up on everything that I need to and actually start posting the show in a lot more places than just the Stowe forums. So, um, yeah, because we've been sort of lacking other feedback. But, we've, uh, been, we've been so out of it. We've just gone, look, we're going to post it on our website and then the Facebook and then Star Trek Online. Good night, everybody. <laughs> Yeah, but um, yep, you've got lots of ways you can get in contact with us. So that's it for this week. Thank you all for joining us. Um, community questions for this week is what did you think of the Discovery trailer? Um, we would like to know your thoughts on what you see and what you think of what's to come. Are you going to Star Trek Las Vegas? As I said earlier, please tell us if you're actually going. We'd like to, if we can, arrange to follow you and get a report that we can read out on the show. So, um, the only other question that I've got is for um, Star Trek Online, is what are your thoughts on 13.5? Um, Are you enjoying the new systems? And for Star Trek Timelines, are you actually playing on Steam? Um, Have you not been playing um, beforehand while it was on mobile and are now thinking of doing it on Steam? (sighs) Next week, we get get Alex's lovely review of Brushfire. I look forward to that. Um, Alex has asked, do you expect the show to hit Saturday as usual for the live show? Um, Because we are recording um, Sunday um, today. Um, Yes, I do hope that we will be live on Saturday. Um, Unfortunately, just the way things ended up being yesterday, um, just 
so much going on that just weren't ready to be honest <laughs> so um as things are finally getting sorted um i am expecting to be live next saturday and that will be saturday 29th of july okay well thank you for all of those who joined us um either on twitch or facebook or youtube and we will be about next week and if you would like to listen to us um you can get us on any of the social media channels twitter facebook google plus star trek riser player.me um tribbles in xtc um you can listen to us in syndication at trekradio.net or subspace-radio.net on Wednesdays. You can also catch us from iTunes or, if you're in America, Google Play. You can also leave us a voicemail message. Um, head over to speakpipe.com forward slash tribbles and ecstasy or use the widget on the show notes. Or you can send us an email. Um, and that too can contain a recording if you would actually like to leave us a message instead of writing um, a book of feedback. And because we can play that live, um, you can email things to hosts at tribblesinecstasy.com. So um, please do get in contact with us. We do like to hear your thoughts. I, I do have one last piece of like other business stuff. You don't have yeah. to play the little segment thing. Our uh, our co-host Stu Dog has recently become the YouTube police. Uh, for anybody Use who's been for anybody who's been following his channel, he was doing Let's Plays for quite a while, but his channel has suddenly taken this divergence of um, following and tracking and making sure uh, scam artists for YouTube and Patreon are getting called out and named and getting shut down. And it's essentially people are starting uh, Patreon accounts and fake YouTube channels, and they're directing people to the Patreon account where it says, hey, pay me money so that I can make content. And then you go to the YouTube channel and there's nothing there. So, yeah, uh, our co-host StuDog has kind of become the unofficial uh, YouTube and Patreon police, and uh, it's been glorious watching watching this because just the sheer stupidity of some of these people who keep who keep going right back to him with comments and stuff saying, "Hey, go and support my thing," and then he does just the minimal amount of digging, finds out it's all scammy stuff, and then goes, "I'm gonna make a YouTube. I'm gonna make a video off of this." Stu, I love you to death. That is a great way to make money. Just informing other people about scam artists and stuff is getting the monetization from YouTube all over it. That's that's wonderful. I check them out. You can make money that way, right? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> know what I'm doing next weekend. So. <laughs> uh, okay. Well, thanks again for joining us. And until next week, take care, everyone. Live long and prosper. Geese, geese, say goodbye. Geese. Geese has left the building. He is such a diva. Why do we work with him? Mm-hmm.
Thanks for tuning in to tonight's broadcast of Triples in Ecstasy, a production of Holosuite Media. Be sure to check Holosuite Media, iTunes, and Stitcher Satellite Radio for our remastered shows and more. You can follow us on Twitter at Tribbles in XTC, or if you have any questions or comments, please send an email to TribblesinExtasy at gmail.com. Join us next week for another episode of Tribbles in Ecstasy, the only place where Tribbles and Klingons are friends. 